everyone. Welcome to Movie Flex Double Features, the only podcast where everything's made up and the plots don't matter. I'm one of your hosts, Estebs, here as always with your other host, Matt, aka The Posting Pro. Matt, how's it going? Yo, it's going good. How are you guys? Movies, baby. Hell yeah, That's dude. how I am. Hell oh yeah, yeah, and I should also say before we get into it, uh, we're also joined again by our special guest, uh, we know him from the group chat. We know him from last week's episode. Uh, he's our friend. He's very cool. It's Chase, aka Thought Haver. How's it going, Chase? Uh, I'm doing good. I, I gotta say, we gotta. I I, I was hoping that uh, my appearances on these shows really pump up my Twitter account. So, listeners, please, I gotta get those follows, okay? Yeah, I think I actually lost nine followers the week after we started the <laughs> podcast because <laughs> I was like tweeting about like, hey, everyone listen to this podcast. And then like after the first week, I was down like 10 followers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody yeah. nobody wants to hear about the podcast. But guys, you got to listen to it. Listen to the pod. That's the only, the only correct movie pod on the Internet. Let me just tell you that right now. Like, People were always like, "Oh, what's the gimmick going to be?" And I'm like, "The gimmick's the gimmicks are going to be me." You know what I'm saying? Like, we we I feel like our views are correct. There's no one else with the same views. Like I said, plots, who needs them? You know, bullshit. Get that out of here. I don't care. Plot holes. I don't. I never notice plot holes because I'm never looking for them. Because I I'm not that kind of person. You know what I'm saying? It's vibes, baby. It's vibes. Yeah. It's art. You know. Yeah, and and where where else in the world can you get three guys in their twenties talking about Twin Peaks? There, it's nowhere else that people can get this. Yeah, I'm 29. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm I'm 34 actually. So, but you need the old guy when you're talking Twin Peaks because you need him to be like, oh yeah, I remember when I was there. I was two when Twin Peaks came out. Actually, <laughs> you remember when you were in Twin Peaks itself? Yeah, no, I grew up in Twin Peaks. No, I yeah. did it. My cousin did though. He. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I actually, so yeah. Oh, actually, before we get into uh, this week, we're talking Lynch, of course, Twin Peaks specifically. But uh, I wanted to see if you guys had any like non-Lynch, non-Pod, like movies or anything that you've been watching uh, that you want to recommend. Like me, for instance, uh, I this weekend I went on a mini like uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman like marathon. And uh, uh, I started with his most fucked up movie, which is uh, Todd Solondz's Happiness. Have you guys seen? Have you have you seen that one? I saw I saw part of that movie on TV when I was at like ten years old. I don't know why it was on TV, but I I only saw the part where the uh, pedophile dad is like talking to his son about how he's a <laughs> pedophile, and I was yeah. like, <laughs> I was like ten years old, and I somehow I understood what the scene was about. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it, it's a fucked up movie. As a 10-year-old, you understand what that scene was about? Oof, we might need to do <laughs> hypnosis therapy cut or that, something. Cut that, cut that, cut that, cut <laughs> that. Yeah, no, it, um... Yeah, it's it's a really fucked up movie. I know that because not only is it not streaming anywhere, but I had to watch it on a website called fduppmovies.com. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you to the film archivist over at fduppmovies.com. Um... Uh, Really saving cinema there. Uh, what if it was Martin Scorsese who was like the archivist there? <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's I've like, got a really I... great piece of cinema for you. <laughs> it's called Happiness. <laughs> he, he, yeah, he finances uh, FWMovies.com so people can watch like Guinea Pig and August <laughs> Underground and all that fucked up like Serbian that's all film. like yeah, all that like faux uh, faux uh, snuff film shit. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I watched Todd Solance's Happiness, which again, yeah, like, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman doesn't play the pedophile, but he plays a very fucked up guy, um, in a different way. And, uh, <laughs> like, of course, yeah, there's the pedo part, and, um, it's really intense, and it's, like, kind of sometimes played for laughs almost. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, it's a movie about people wanting to find happiness, but then, like, so I watched that movie, and it's really good. And then uh, I followed it up with uh, Pirate Radio, a.k.a. The Boat That Rocked, which I don't know if you guys remember, but it's from, like, 2011. It's a movie about, like, uh, pirate radio stations in Britain in uh, the 60s. Just, like, the a- total opposite, opposite of happiness. Just, like, this. it's directed by the guy who directed uh, Love Actually, Richard Curtis or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's it's a it's a really shitty movie, and it's just it, it's a really fucked up uh, double feature. And uh, yeah, that's left, a cursed double feature, man. Left me feeling because my the thing is, I want to finish uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's like filmography. I want to be a hundred percent on all of his movies. Um, and I've my, seen like the majority of them. But, my girlfriend yeah. told me that he was in the Hunger Games, which I didn't know. Yes, he is in the Hunger Games. He was in the second one or something. Yeah, I, I've only seen the, the sec- first. First one, he's but in, he's in the second and third. Yeah, and then he died before they finished the part two of the third one. So there's a part where Woody Harrelson's like, I've got a letter from him, by the way. And he reads out like oh what that God. character says in the book because he's, you know, he didn't film that scene. So, Well, at least they didn't do a, a CGI of him because that would have been fucked up. Yeah, and that CGI technology at the time was, you know, it was a lot. You know, what, when you if, watch, they made, like, if they made it today, they probably would have. Oh, for sure, dude, for sure. I'm shocked they haven't, like, re-released it with the CGI. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's my uh, that's my not recommends, uh, unless you're, you're in, again, unless you're a Philip Seymour Hoffman complete completionist. Uh, you know, I like Happiness is a legitimately good movie, uh, but it's not for, like, the week of heart. I tried watching it before, and I was like, man, it's just fucked up. Like, uh and then yeah, but I finished it, and yeah, it's if you've ever seen like Little Children, it's like Little Children vibes. Got like one of the same actresses in it. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so, I, uh, those are my recommendations. They're not recommendations. What about you, Chase? My my recommendations. I, I I've done some sacrilege. I haven't watched really m- many movies apart from our double feature uh, because I've been watching Better Call Saul because the new se- uh, season came out on Netflix. Oh, so, shit. yeah, that's a great show, but um, I, I do feel ashamed, you know, appropriately ashamed for not watching movies this week. So I'm sorry, guys. Uh, it's I, it's all good. Uh, actually, I watched uh, another Philip Seymour Hoffman movie, uh, a, a Most Wanted Man, and it stars one of the like the the head uh, German engineer from like season three, I think, or two, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah. I actually. Oh wait. I did watch a movie. I, I watched Inglorious Bastards with my girlfriend. Yeah. And uh, speaking of that German engineer, uh, the he's German engineer too, yeah. from, yeah, he's he's one of the Nazis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's in, yeah, he's in the last movie I just watched, actually. Yeah, Serious Man. He plays a German, not a Nazi, just a guy who's really into national security. Totally different thing. <laughs> uh, uh, what about you, Matt? Uh, yeah, so I went a little crazy in between Twin Peaks. Uh watches um because i've been sick all week so no gym for me um but i watched a couple of cronenbergs 
Um, I watch scanners. So I, I put the post up on, on Twitter. I was asking people and everyone came out of the woodwork and said, you need to see video drone. Got a couple oh, yeah. of, uh, long live the new flesh. Yeah. Got a couple of history of violences in there. Um, so I was like, all right, I'll do scanners. <laughs> so I was like, let me go kind of like not to his original film, but like one that's kind of popular. So I, I watched scanners. I really liked it. Then I watched video drone. That was like a double feature I did. Um, really liked video drone uh, a lot. And um, then afterwards, I watched uh, Existence, which is uh, a film that makes the Matrix look like child's play. You know, um, no, not <laughs> yeah. real. That's very, a quote from the box. That's so fucking funny, dude. It's a very stupid comparison. Um, I, have, that, I actually haven't seen Existence. Is it good? Um. <laughs> it's it's yeah it's it's all right it's not it's no video drone it's no scanners but yeah i i like it I, I i've said that i think um cronenberg makes these movies these little fucked up violent movies about what if media that's violent and fucked up makes you violent and or fucked up um so he makes kind of these like i don't know meta commentary movies um yeah, and yeah. so because because he's got that new movie coming out soon so i want to get caught up on at least a couple of them and uh, I'm going to watch History of Violence probably tomorrow and Eastern Promises sometime. But, um, yeah, besides that, I've been catching up. I finally finished most of I'm not going to go and watch Crime Wave. Fuck that. But I finished most of uh, Sam Raimi's filmography. Mm. Uh, and I have to say, like, so I don't like a simple... I'm completely against the grain on this one. I don't like a simple plan. Um, but I do have to say The Gift is my favorite Raimi film. It's the one that like most people don't like because it's very like late nineties kind of like indie prestige movies. Right. But I actually, I think that's kind of like a novel concept. Now Mm -hmm. Uh, there is a guy who uh, plays up a mentally challenged person a little too much in the movie. Um, You know, but, but it's about a psychic who Kate Blanchett, who, who, so with Keanu Reeves in it, he plays a racist guy. It's pretty, it's pretty good. It's about nice. a, a psychic who kind of solves a, helps solve a murder. And um, yeah, so the gift. And then um, I finished Sam Raimi's um, "Drag Me to Hell," uh, which mm. I can't recommend enough. Like when oh, I was yeah, watching dude. it, it like there were parts of it I was like cringing, like. So I was like, oh, like just not not that it was like scary or like, but it was like cringy what I was seeing, you know, like not in a good way. So I was like kind of skipping those parts just a little bit. Um, but uh, I, I sat through it. I watched it all. Uh, that movie is so fucking mean. And I love it. I'm like, we need more movies that are mean as shit because that movie is so fucking mean. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just angry and and. um you know, people angry at each other and like fucked up stuff happening to people and and all this stuff. And I'm like, we need more of this. Like movies that aren't afraid to be just mean as shit. Yeah, it's a pretty brutal watch. I'm glad you like that one, and I'm glad you like Video Drum because those are like two of my favorites. And uh, yeah, Drag Me to Hell is like one of my favorite Amy's. Um, I've heard say I've heard people say it's like about a like a, it's a metaphor for like an eating disorder. Uh, there's a lot of like imagery where she's like puking and stuff. And I don't know, but 
Yeah, it's yeah. also like, I think it just works as just like a regular horror movie. It also doesn't paint the uh, gypsies in a good light. <laughs> you know, I don't think you're allowed to say the Romani people. It doesn't paint them in a good light. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, those are the, that's what I've been watching. Well, hey, that's just an old trope, you know, the curse, the curse of the gypsy. That's just something to get the plot going, you know, classic inciting incident. More of a more of a literary trope than like race racism, I would say, you know. Yeah, yeah well, it, she's, as she's far as like, like uh, caricature, I think too. Like, I think yeah, that kind of helps because she's so much like she, her and like the the Latin Latino characters in that movie are so much like caricatured. It's like over yeah, the yeah. top to where it's like there's nobody in existence that's ever acted like this, which I think is part of the the charm of the movie, you know. Yeah, it's Raimi, yeah. you know? It's cartoon. I mean, Gypsy Curses in movies, as far as I'm concerned, Holes is number one. Mm, yeah. yeah. That's true. There's some good ones. Um, I, I guess technically Big, it's uh, Big is, I would count as a Gypsy Curse, because, like, the machine that makes him big is, oh, like, yeah. a, kind of a Gypsy, sort of, like... Is Thinner, is that a Gypsy Curse? Mm. Yeah, thinner's thinner's a gypsy curse. That's the classic gypsy curse. Movie. I never thought about how many movies have gypsy curses. <laughs> so oh, many, dude. <laughs> yeah, so many. I'm sure there's all kinds of like books and like Hulk oh, Finn and shit that we're not even aware of. That's like, well, the gypsies know. are the ones that have the knowledge of the werewolf too, and like yeah. Wolfman and 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 all the Wolfman movies. They're like, we got to go to the gypsies for help. They know about curses. Yeah, they know about fucked up shit like that. <laughs> Uh, well, that's a great actually segue into this week's double feature. Uh, let's just get right into it. Uh, this week we're doing Lynch, specifically, like I said, Twin Peaks. We're gonna talk about it all. Uh, I picked Firewalk with me in episode eight because they were the closest to like two movies that I could find within the Twin Peaks universe. Obviously, Firewalk with me is a movie. It's the only movie that of of like the the whole franchise or whatever. And then episode eight of the return specifically, um, you know, I've seen it talked about and discussed so much as like its own thing. And like this, like it, it works, I think well as like a, a piece of art, like separate from twin peaks. Totally. Like, I think you could watch it and not know what it's about and still be like, wow, that was really cool. Um, and yeah, I feel like, you know, if I, my, my thing is like, if I go to the new Beverly or, or draft house and like this was like something that i programmed would i have a good time and yeah you know like i said it's about three hours total content time so uh yeah firewalk with me episode eight of the return um i guess maybe we should talk a little bit about like our history with david lynch like me personally you know it's funny like i've known uh, who he was like for as long as i can remember because he's like so famous especially in the 90s like people just knew who David Lynch was, even though his movies weren't super mainstream. He himself was like a very like popular guy. I think even to this day, like people who maybe don't watch Twin Peaks or pe even people who have like never seen like a David Lynch movie can still kind of like maybe somewhat accurately like describe what Lynchian is. Like they might not correctly identify it, but they can probably like kind of generally identify it. I think. Um, but yeah, so, but then like, I didn't even, like, I started watching his movies in college and it, honestly, it wasn't until a couple years ago that, um, 
like I had somebody sit me down and be like, you have to like watch Twin Peaks because it's not what you think it is. Like, um, mm-hmm. I think that's like a big thing with with Lynch is like you have to have somebody tell you like it's not what you think it is. Like, no one knows what they're talking about if they're trying to explain it, but it's like it's about something and it's hard to explain what it is. But you just have you to just gotta watch yourself. it, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like I said, I just never had anyone tell me to do that until like very recently. Uh, and of course, I love uh, I love it. Uh, but yeah, I'm not not claiming to be an expert. Like much like the Tracy Morgan character Brian Fellows, I am merely a enthusiastic young man with a sixth grade education um just you know i i i just wanted an excuse to talk about lynch basically uh and i thought this would be like a great like entree into uh you know his world twin peaks talk about seo people love it it's always popular maybe not so much now because it's like on paramount plus for some inexplicable reason i have no idea why uh (laughs) It's kind of insane, but uh, yeah. What about you guys? How did you guys get into Lynch, and what's your yeah, history? Well, um, so for me, the my first exposure to Lynch was actually I, I must have been like twelve years old. I uh, I had a Comcast on demand, and I was home alone, and I was going through all the movies. And there was this I can't remember what it's called, but there's this like weird, fucked up channel on on demand for uh, for Comcast where I had like old uh, like. It had like old like drug um drug videos where it's like from the fifties or sixties where it's like warning kids about drugs, like satanic panic videos, and they also had yeah. uh full feature films. And so I saw Eraser Head on there and I was like, What is this? And so I, I watched I don't think I watched the whole thing. I was like kinda skipping through it and it scared the shit out of me. because uh, I was, you know, like twelve years old. And uh but I remember skipping to the end and seeing the uh the uh fetus or whatever it is when yeah. the head grows to like the size of the entire room and i i remember turning it off and i was like what the fuck is this um it's and crazy so, that that even now they can't like like they can't just tell us what 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 that fetus was you know it's like, like yeah like, it could have maybe been this <laughs> like my yeah people think it's like a like a pig fetus or like maybe chicken mm. entrails or something they made it out of but yeah, and then um, so that I saw Racerhead when I was like twelve, and then I later in high school I got exposed to Twin Peaks, oh, which okay. was my entry into David Lynch, and I think it's a really good entry for uh, people who are new to his stuff because it uh, has this kind of soap opera format, and then there's just a little bit of surrealism sprinkled into each episode, but as it goes along, it starts mounting and mounting, and uh, if you're like me, then you kind of get bored of the soap opera stuff and you're like, all right, where's the red room scenes? Where's the, the dream sequences? Where's all the stuff like that? Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I think the next thing I watched was Mulholland drive. And then, uh, since then, uh, I mean, for a few years, Mulholland drive was my favorite movie. Uh, now it's probably second or third, uh, but it's fantastic. And then I've seen pretty much all of his stuff, uh, except for the straight story, which I still haven't seen. I, I I really have to watch that because I've heard good things. Yeah, me either. I haven't seen the straight story and um, Dune. I never saw the old Dune. Uh, Dude, it rocks. You know, yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. had heard just people had said insane things about it. The first, the first half is good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a fucking mess, but I mean, it rules. Yeah, yeah. That's what. Yeah, like I said, no one. Uh, I just heard like, ah, you don't need to watch that, <laughs> and uh, you know, yeah. just like watch other shit and stuff. But yeah, I think I originally I think it was like for me, Eraserhead, then Mahal and Drive. 
Um, and so I was like a big fan of his like film film filmography, like his features and stuff. I just like Twin Peaks in my mind. Um, this is gonna sound insane, but uh, like I was like two years old when Twin Peaks came out, so I don't remember it obviously. But like as I got a little bit older. And, like, I, I would watch uh, sketch shows a lot. So, like, that's how I knew a lot about, like, pop culture and stuff. Uh, and, uh, but at the time, Twin Peaks came out the same year uh, as this show called Northern Exposure, which is, like, if you know anything about that show, it's, like, not, like, Twin Peaks at all. It's, like, it's, like, a dramedy. It's It, it was, like, a well-regarded show. It won, like, a bunch of Emmys. But uh, it was, like, a sitcom, like, set in, like, a, a small town in Alaska. And if you're, like, three years old, like, at first glance, you know, you can kind of see how maybe somebody would get him confused. So, for the longest time, I just thought Twin Peaks was, like, some kind of, like, silly sitcom or something. Like, I just thought it was, like, a silly 90s show or 80s show. Yeah. Um, I guess for me, like, my exposure is that I knew that, like, I knew, I knew who Lynch well, like, I think I knew what Twin Peaks was before I knew who Lynch was. Because I remember everyone, you know, kind of talking about the show and and loving the show. And, and you know, like, not, not people I knew, obviously, but, like, you know, you kind of hear it through the grapevine. People are like, oh, yeah, Twin Peaks, like, that's, that's a good yeah. show. That's, like, critically acclaimed or whatever, you know. And then I found out who Lynch was, I think in like high school, I didn't watch any of his movies. I just knew he was like the weird guy who made weird movies. And a lot of people were like, yeah, this guy, you can't really figure him out. Most most people's knowledge of Lynch is basically. Yeah. Yeah, I used to, I used to uh, confuse David Fincher and David Lynch. And it took me like years before I've learned the difference between those two guys. Yeah. I totally see that. Yeah. So like uh my my thing with Lynch is that I never so I didn't watch I, I knew a guy who was like I heard Mulholland Drive's great, like my my film friend like in high school was like, I heard Mulholland Drive's great. Let me like my uncle says he really likes the elephant man. So I'm gonna like mm-hmm. watch the elephant man and then watch Mulholland Drive and try and get into Lynch. And he was like, I can't fucking watch this movie, this movie, like, Mulholland Drive. He's like, I like The Elephant Man, all right, but I did not like Mulholland Drive. So I was like, all right, I'll try it. This was, like, when I was too young. Um, So I think me and a buddy sat at a computer (laughs) and tried to watch, (laughs) you know, as Lynch intended, tried to watch uh, Mulholland Drive. Get real. And (laughs) the audio was Watching an MP4 on, like, uh, Winamp. Yes, no, for know. sure. And, like, the audio was fucked up, so we ended up not being able to watch it. Um, right. And then I think it was, like, what's crazy is, like, when I was in college, like, no one talked about Lynch in college. That's how most people find out about Lynch is through college. Yeah. Because um, he's, like, the, the thinking man's filmmaker, you know? Um, he's, like, but, the guy with, when, like, you, when the girl goes out with the guy who, like, wants to seem smart and, like, you know, I'm not like other guys, you know, I like, I like David Lynch, okay? You're not, yeah, I'm so, not like your last boyfriend, okay? I'm a little <laughs> yeah, so, different. <laughs> so, uh, I actually had a, a film, my only film class in, in college, um, I took, and it was, uh, films about trekking across america right the american landscape travel movies and the straight story is one of those mm-hmm. movies so we watch it had no clue it was a lynch film i literally 
just this year found out it was a Lynch movie. <laughs> yeah, I never heard about it. I I known about like he's one of those people who I known about everything for like a long time and just didn't get into it because again, like I made the stupid decision of like assuming that I knew what it was right before I actually knew what it was. Um, yeah. Like I said, that's why I I, used to, I don't know if everyone is like this, but me personally, I needed someone to be like, no, you don't you don't get it. You have like it's not what you think. You have to watch it. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I, I feel this way about Lynch and, like, a lot of other stuff, too. Um, like, now that I'm in my 30s and I'm still discovering stuff, like, I'm glad that I didn't watch a lot of this stuff until I, I was older because I feel like had I been younger, I totally wouldn't have appreciated it. I wouldn't have, like, I would have probably rejected it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. think if I saw Twin if I, like, and again, like, I'm just speaking for myself personally. Like, uh, if I saw it in high school, like, I I wouldn't have appreciated it as much. Um <laughs> You know, I, it just took me a while to, like, really, like, oh, you know, because you also, he, he is very popular on film Twitter. And so I think, like, I'm yeah. always just, like, th that kind of, like, a rebellious person where I'm, like, oh, if everyone loves it, then I'm just going to ignore it, you know? For sure. And, like, I, like, just to conclude my, like, introductory into Lynch or whatever, like, I didn't watch Twin Peaks until, th like, three years ago. I didn't watch, like, so I saw The Straight Story, hadn't seen any of his other movies um and then watched twin peaks like three years ago a chick that i was like crushing on on twitter or whatever really liked uh twin peaks and she was like you gotta watch this shit and i was like all right so i watched like all of twin peaks because this girl told me to and i was like damn this show rules right like it's it's awesome i, I forgot it was like on some streaming service for a while it was um, on netflix that's why everyone was watching it yeah so it was on netflix and then the return was on hulu for some reason mm. so i watched all of it um was like this is awesome this rules uh and then i started like my lynch journey through there i watched um i didn't rewatch Eraserhead, or i tried to watch Eraserhead and just turned it off and was like this shit sucks and then i was like all right let me just try you know get through his kind of filmography so i watched chase actually was the one that told me he's like mm -hmm. oh dude like if you like twin peaks like you gotta check out like blue velvet like, don't worry, like, you'll like it, I promise. I'm like, all right. So I watched Blue Velvet, and then I was like, hell yeah. Because I've always been, like, with Lynch, I've always liked Twin Peaks. Yeah. But, like, his movies, like, a lot of his movies are, like, insurmountable for my taste, right? I'm just yeah, like, I don't, yeah. know, I don't know if I can watch these. And then Chase is like, no, Lynch is one of my dudes. Watch Blue Velvet. Um, I think I was and, there, because I remember being like, no, Blue Velvet is a solid movie, like, yeah, uh, like yeah, because Dennis Hopper is so fucking good in that, and you know he for sure, like, for sure. And I, I watched Blue Velvet and loved it, and I was like, this movie's amazing. Went back, watched his filmography, and uh, there's there's my story. It was so it was like really, really. It took honestly, that's the reason we had Chase on too, because we know he's a Lynch guy. But it took Chase to be like, dude, Lynch is my guy. Just watch Blue Velvet for me to continue to yeah. watch. No, well, yeah, I totally, it's... yeah. With uh, with Lynch, uh, oh, actually, speaking of Blue Velvet, uh, about a month ago, I saw a screening of Blue Velvet in thirty five millimeter at uh, at the Letterbox Theater in Chicago. It was part of this David Lynch fest. Uh, I unfortunately was only able to make it to Blue Velvet, but they did his entire uh, filmography, including like his experimental films, and uh, I don't know if they did like Twin Peaks or like On the Air or anything. But, I think they um, did. Actually, I, I think th I'm pretty sure they did like the return or something. 
Yeah, yeah, but they it was really cool. Uh, they just tons of Lynch fans. I saw it. It was like a packed house, like hundreds of people. They did like Lynch trivia with like you know prizes and stuff. It was it was really cool. Um, but yeah, I think Blue Velvet is such a great way to kind of get into Lynch because there are only a few of his movies that have uh, a straightforward narrative from beginning to end. Where as a casual viewer, you uh, know what's happening the entire time, and Blue Velvet is one of those. Uh, and it's also just a fantastic movie in general. I mean, I remember the first time I watched Mulholland Drive, I was like 17 or 18. I had convinced uh, one of my friends to watch it because I you know, heard it was good on Reddit or something. And I, uh, you know, we sat down to watch it. And like two and a half hours later, we're both just like, what the fuck is this bullshit? Like, what? Yeah, why yeah. did we just watch this? What the fuck just happened? And then I... Later at a later date, I was like, "All right, I should give it another shot." And so I watched it again, and it kind of clicked for me, and it became like one of my favorite movies. Like it was my favorite movie for years and years. I would show it to everybody. So it's just like you have to be kind of in the right mindset. Maybe have like the right level of maturity or yeah. like the right level of curiosity to to get into some of his stuff. And he's not for everybody. Like I understand that, but I think like there there are a few movies that. uh of Lynch's that if you show anybody, they'll probably, they'll probably see some kind of merit in them, you know? Yeah. I think Lynch has those movies, like, you know, before we start talking about like our double feature today, I think Lynch has those movies that are like, I kind of said, like incomprehensible, like when you try to watch them. And then um, for, for me, it's like Lynch is kind of like this guy that, and I, I'm, this isn't, this is going to sound like a dig. It's absolutely not a dig. But there are some movies that you watch of his that you can get the first time around, and they're good. And there are other movies that you don't. And I think he's one of those guys, much like you know, reading like a hard book or something, or like yeah. reading maybe philosophy, like certain philosophers. You kind of have to like beat your head against it almost to like to get it. You know what I mean? And it, but like yeah. the, the the reward that you get from like watching this challenging film is like more gratifying like once it clicks for you you know because like it doesn't you know i was I, I said on one of the episodes i was like one of my least favorite things about lynch is like when i think he's just being like obtuse for like obtuse sake right yeah um but there's a lot of stuff that like i mean even like this rewatch of twin peaks that that i did um that i think like you have to watch something again or you have to like kind of sit with it and, and like you know kind of stew over and it like it, it'll get you frustrated you know they'll definitely like some of his work will get people frustrated and i think that's a good thing because once you get frustrated and you you kind of work through it and you you kind of like you know either continue to watch it or like think about it more then you'll finally you go oh like it doesn't necessarily it's not like something that you get right but it's like an achievement almost of like, I stuck with this really hard thing. I thought about this really hard thing. Um, yeah. You know, this like grown up movie and it, it like, I like, I get it now. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's one of those types of things. Yeah. No, speaking of frustration, I, uh, the first time I watched fire walk with me, um, I accidentally torrented uh, fire walk with me, the missing pieces. So oh. I, I just watched <laughs> like an hour and a half or two hours of like a bunch of randomly, uh, you know, interspersed scenes with like no narrative whatsoever, and then it was over. Yeah. I was like, "What the fuck just happened?" You know? And yeah. 
That was so and then late later I found out what happened, but yeah. What's fun is that um, you know I guess we can kind of segue into Fire Walk with Me now. But like, what's really fun about Fire Walk with Me is yeah. So there's there's the missing pieces that came out right. It's, it's the deleted scenes, and one of the things about Fire Walk with Me at the time I was reading was that like critics and fans like fucking hated it, right? Because it was oh, like. Yeah. It was a completely different story. They felt like there was no, you know, it was like, oh, it's just, it's a prequel. Okay, I guess, sure. We don't get to find out what happens to Cooper, you know. And um, there's a lot of people that were like, there's no Twin Peaks elements in this, right? There's just mm-hmm. like, they were like, where's the town? Where's the Twin Peaks elements and, and everything? And then I was reading that, like, you know, the missing pieces, right? The deleted scenes of the film um, were a lot of the town stuff. There's a lot of town stuff in the missing pieces. You know, the missing yeah. pieces is an hour and a half by itself of deleted scenes that they shot, you know, that they got rid of yeah. to, to make this, uh, <laughs> to make my favorite <laughs> Lynch film. So, yeah, I mean, the Lynch is li- like, he's literally the Joker. Like what we, what we think is weird and obtuse to him is normal. You know, like yeah. he, he almost like, it's funny that he plays, a, he literally plays a director who has to yell at the audience because that's what he always it, he he really does not like even entertaining the idea of like explaining what he's trying to do right and uh but also to him it just it seems so obvious like to him he's told us everything of what it's about like right like to to us it should be like so obvious and like it really frustrates him that people just don't get it because to him it's so like intuitive i guess and that's yeah. how a lot of his stuff is well well to lynch his whole thing is that uh film is its own art form and so film is picture and sound flowing through time and so the cardinal sin for david lynch is trying to explain a film in words because yeah. it gets lost in translation. If you're trying uh-huh. to explain uh, some kind of like a one of a Lynch's kind of like more avant-garde sequences in in words, it's it's like completely ruins it. And so that's why he yeah. doesn't talk about you know the meanings of any any of his films ever. Which uh, his co-creator Mark Frost does not share that at all. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Frost like over-explains. Frost. Frost is crazy, bro. Like <laughs> the final, like he wrote an entire book explaining Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah I think he wrote a couple. Oh yeah, he's he got like, two. Yeah, I, I'm not reading any of that stuff. I'm, I, I read I'm totally not of, interested. Um, yeah, me neither. I but for why should you, dude? It ruined like it completely. Like I was looking up like because I I'm just kind of like jumping around just a little bit. I think like Audrey is a character that like because of studio interference and because of like Frost himself is severely underserved. Right. Especially yeah. in, with regards to the return and Frost's explanation of Audrey in the return and her appearance and the things that happen in the return is completely the, the most disinteresting that you possibly could think about like watching that, you know, it's, it's like, yeah. Like any any number of fan theories would be more interesting than like reading Mark's explanation about what happens to Audrey. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say like I the only thing I read was I read a uh, part of the Laura Laura Palmer's diary, which was actually written by David Lynch's daughter. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty cool. But yeah, it's very basic. It's nothing really in it. Um, but yeah, well, look, yeah, let's just talk about Fire Walk with me, and we'll talk about like 
we'll use that to talk about OG Twin Peaks, and then we'll talk about Return in Episode 8, second half of the show. Uh, so yeah, we start with 1992's Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, directed by David Lynch, obviously. I didn't know this was originally supposed to be the first part in a trio, but uh, the reception was so bad that they just canceled it. Because <laughs> um, uh, yeah, they planned on making like three more... Uh, Three three movies after the show ended. This wow. was all yeah. This was all after the show ended. Uh, again, it, I, another thing. I mean, there are a couple of like additional things that link these two pieces together. Uh, part of it is the woodsman, which I want to get to later because that's like that to me is kind of like an explainer of Lynch. Like it kind of, uh, but I'll get to it. But uh, the other thing is that they're both kind of like codexes, right? Like. I think Mark Frost probably was the one who described this as like he described uh no he described uh, the return episode 8 as or part 8 or whatever as like the closest to like an origin story that Twin Peaks had ever done and uh Fire Walk with Me is very similar like you know there's like the scene at the beginning um where like Lynch brings out the girl who's doing all of like the symbolism and um like um uh, the Chris Isaac character teaches Kiefer Sullivan, like, you know, this is what he's trying to tell us. And like, you know, it, it feels very re- self-referential in that way and stuff. And uh, I, I love that scene. I interpret incredible. that scene as, uh, I don't know if this is right because people disagree on this, but the, the girl with the, the dancing girl, uh, Lil, I interpret that scene as kind of poking fun at people who overanalyze Lynch's stuff. Sure, dude. No, that's 100% correct. At yeah, least in yeah. my opinion. I think uh, the thing is the thing is about that is uh, if you guys have seen the four hour uh, you know Twin Peaks explained video on YouTube by that guy Twin Perfect oh we'll get we'll get to that yeah (laughs) he didn't get it at all he thought that uh, he thought that uh, Chris Isaac's character Chet Desmond was like correctly interpreting the clues and then Sam Stanley Kiefer Sutherland's character was like incorrectly and it's like dude what are you talking about yeah yeah Um, I think the line that gives it away is like. Later on, when Kiefer Sullivan's like, by my estimation, that everything in that office cost him twenty two thousand dollars, right? Oh like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's all pointless. Like, it doesn't. Um, I don't know. I think, yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Uh, yeah. What were you gonna say, Matt? Um, yeah. So there's a there's a video that you sent me, Stephen, and it was um. Oh, Maggie May. Mag- She's the other one. Yeah. Maggie May, yeah. So she does Twin Peaks Explained or something like where she references that video, um, and she talks about how like that scene is like a, a it's like a um, it's like a parody, which I think this is an alright reading. It's like a parody of like uh, of because like a lot of she says a lot of Fire Walk with Me is like a parody of um, the crime films of the time, especially like Silence of the Lambs, right? And she talks about how there's yeah. like these super detectives that can like figure out things in the minutiae, you know? And so they're like, there's no, like there's, there's stuff in, in these crime novels and crime uh, movies and everything that the audience would have no way of knowing like the information, right? Like, Oh, like he had dirt under his fingernails. And that means that the dirt comes from like, you know, him digging in the garden and like, uh, but he, he's not a gardener and like so but the gardener was sick that day and there's a replacement gardener so he must be the killer right and there's like information that the audience can't know about to to like make it a mystery um which that's a good reading but no chase i 
long story long, I completely agree. Like that, the ridiculousness of it. She like actually sneers at the camera at a point. He's like, yeah, local law enforcement is, is stinky. Like they're not going to be receptive to us. And he's like, like, she gave a sour face. That means we're going to have a problem with local law enforcement. It's like, oh yeah, of course. How was I not supposed to, uh, how did I not know that? You know, which is, yeah, all of it's like literally insane because it's like the weird, she's so weird. And it's like, oh, like, <laughs> like the the detective characters are interpreting her but like us as the audience we have no we have no like guidebook on how to like interpret any of that because i mean they, they talk about like the hem of her dress and like how it's like it's been hemmed up and and everything and yeah chase i i 100 agree like when i was watching it i was like damn he's like making fun of us trying to figure out like what's going on yeah yeah and it's i mean this this one's pretty obvious, but it's like David Lynch casting himself as the director. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just like it's pretty obvious that that there's like a meta narrative kind of going on with it. Yeah, but I think a lot of people go too far and try to like make the entire show into a meta narrative and like reduce it all to a single point. Because in my in my reading of Twin Peaks, I I kind of view it as an amorphous kind of thing where. Twin Peaks doesn't have one meaning. It has different meanings at different times. And the original series and Firewalk With Me, I, I view Firewalk With Me as kind of the branching off point. Firewalk With Me is kind of the key to un, to deciphering the return. And I think the return and Firewalk With Me have the same DNA in a way that the original series just does not at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's a very so, good way that, of putting it. Like, I, 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 Yeah, I couldn't. That's, yeah. I was going to say, too, like, I, I think Firewalk with Me is the best, the best thing from Twin Peaks and the best thing from Lynch himself. Um, this is my opinion. But, like, it definitely I'd rate it five stars. It's uh, my favorite Lynch film. Um, but I have to say that, like, while I was doing a rewatch, right, because I've seen all of them before, but then I decided to do it chronologically. So I rewatched all of Twin Peaks, the original series, right? And then I watched Fire Walk With Me and then The Return. And yeah, Chase, I agree. Like, Fire Walk With Me and The Return have similar elements because in the original Twin Peaks, if you want to, you can ignore all of the supernatural elements and just say, oh, it's all metaphorical, right? Yeah. Like, there's definitely, like, you know, you can you can ignore Killer Bob and, like, you know, and, and, and I still think they are metaphorical. But at the same time, like fire walk with me and the return specifically like really hits this point home it's like no like there are things that are like met like the blue rose cases are like actually a thing right like it's not it 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 can't be all metaphorical you know but it is it's, it's yeah well it, it is and it isn't because i for me uh it, it really irritates me when people try to reduce lynch's stuff to like one-dimensional uh, interpretations. So, like, for example, Bob. It's like, I do think that Bob is uh, kind of a, uh, I guess you could say, like, a metaphor, or like, a, the subconscious of, like, Laura and Leland's uh, fucked up relationship. But it also mm. isn't. Like, it's not It's not just a metaphor. It's He's also a character with, like, yeah. motivations and, you know, right. uh, attributes and all that. And it's the same with, like, everything else in the show, where, uh, for me, like David Lynch, like his his core kind of uh, new development, the thing that I think he brought 
to filmmaking that's totally new is this this method of storytelling where uh it's not that the character in the film is a metaphor for something else it's that the film itself is like a reflection of the character's uh subconscious and their psyche so if you're watching mulholland drive the film you're watching is kind of filtered through the fucked up psyche of the main character and so i think that's something new and lost highway does it inland empire does it yeah. fire walk with me to, to an extent does it and that's to me that's the key to understanding lynch's stuff is understanding that uh no you're not it's not like you decipher uh the plot based on oh once i figure out that this character is a metaphor for trauma then i'll be able to understand it it's it's kind of like more circumspect than that where it's like uh the things that are happening in the movie aren't like a dream or a fantasy. They're like the kind of reflection of somebody's broken psyche. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah and, and I think like just, just on that point before we like really dive into fire walk with me, you know, I think that like, um, yeah, I was, when I was watching twin peaks, the, the, the original series, there's a lot of like dream logic within, right. I mean, like, it's like you're watching it and you go like, how can you not like, you know, think about like dreams when like, I mean, there's characters named Ben and Jerry and, and, you know, Harry S Truman is the sheriff, right? There's a lot yeah. of like, like things that are like, okay, this, that's kind of, you know, absolutely ridiculous. And, and like I said, like when you're watching the original series, you can kind of boil down, um, killer Bob to like trauma because like within the text itself, it kind of like makes sense. But like, like you were saying, like, right, fire walk with me and the return definitely turned that on its head where it's like, well, no, it's, you know, there are, um, you know, it's, it's both, right. It can, it can be both or, you know, or, uh, a different thing, you know, it's multiple readings. It could be actually happening or, um, you're right. It could be through a psyche or, or through whatever. And I, I think like one of the bad readings of like the films, cause I, I I was listening to like a podcast talking about the return and I think one of the bad readings is like, Oh, it's all a dream. It's like, well, okay. Yeah, then yeah. what's the point? Like that, that, that sucks. Yeah. Like, I think people often get like misinterpret, like the dream metaphor. It, you can, you know, there are quotes from like every big filmmaker ever. Like they've all used that metaphor to talk about film in the sense that like, it's the closest you'll get to like being inside someone else's dream you know, you sit there in the dark, you see these images, it kind of goes from one thing to another, you know, kind of like editing, like in our dreams where it like cuts from one thing to another, you know, like they mean it in like the broadest metaphorical sense. But like, yeah, I hate when people are like, oh, that literally means it's a dream. It's like, no, no, no. Like we're using a dream as a framework for this like idea that we're all experiencing together but it's not literally a dream you know what i'm saying right. yeah. like that's, that's what i'm saying i think the i think the interpretation that it's literally a dream dream is is bad and so if it true. is like if that if, if lynch did think like yeah it's literally a dream i'm like okay like then i don't think he has anything to say but he it i don't think he thinks that so um is my point but but yeah, yeah i, I want to talk specifically before we like dive into more general discussions again um I want to talk specifically fire walk with me. what do you guys think of like the movie? Right. What would you guys rate it? Um, yeah, it's like a five star for me. Uh, cause like I said, I like the, the thing is like, I feel like you can watch, but like our double feature tonight, having known nothing about twin peaks and still have a good time. Like, mm -hmm. 
because like I again, I feel like both of these pieces like stand on their own and back to back you can like you might not know specifically everything that's going on, but like I feel like if you watch Firewalk with me and then you watch Part Eight, you can kind of piece together a narrative and it like they two they like again, they, they just seem like two parts of a whole. And like like I hate to say like explainers, but they just feel like if you like if you could watch either of these and like end it with like a fulfilled like a sense of fulfillment and a sense that like you've experienced something again experienced the dream or you've lived the dream with him or whatever and um you know lynch is also very into like transcendental meditation and stuff too and like you can argue like meditation and dreaming that's also like the same thing as like you know in film like it's all like of a it's all like of a thing right it's all like the same kind of ritual just played out in different mediums i guess uh (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, I love it. Like I said, I love, you know, David Bowie shows. I think it's crazy because when I, I, I didn't think there is, uh, when I watched it, because I did a full run watch through like last year slash like 2020 slash 2021 is when I did my watch through. And, uh, I was surprised because like it starts out obviously with like the new guys, but then, you know, we're very like, it's not that long until we're like back with Laura Palmer and, uh, I was gonna say like um, fake Donna always bothers me. Like uh, I, I I love that though. How it's like Lara Flynn Boyle was just so annoying to work with that Lynch was yeah. like, "All right, fuck you. I'm casting a completely different person." And you I think it works pretty fine. You, you know? know what's crazy is like I hate to say it, but it does work to that like dream logic thing where it's like, "Oh, this is a person." Like it's like, "Yeah, oh, I had a dream where I was like hanging out with my mom." But it, it wasn't actually my mom. Like, she was being played by, like, Meryl Streep or something. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's like that thing where it's like, oh, yeah, it was uh, – I had a dream about uh, Amanda Palmer and Donna, but it wasn't really Donna. <laughs> it was, like, this other – it was, like – I know it's not Christina Milioti or whatever or whatever her name is, the chick, the wife from How I Met Your Mother, uh, the mother. Um, yeah, um, to, to go to your point about uh, Laura Flynn Boyle uh, being annoying or whatever, so – so she was like, so she was asked to come back for Firewalk with me, and she was like, "I have other commitments from a film." She had she was filming something at that time. Um, Might have been Wayne's World or something, because she was in that around the same time. I don't know, but like Lynch, also, I don't think pushed too much because she. So at the time of filming Twin Peaks, she was dating Kyle MacLachlan, and she was very pushy again. Like there was a whole sequence planned out where, like, after. Um, after they solved uh, who who killed Laura Palmer, um, it was going to be Coop and Audrey. They were setting that up. Yeah, which... they set it up for like the whole first season, and then Lara Flynn Boyle was like, "Oh no, I I want to be, uh, I want Dale Cooper to be my boyfriend in the show too." Annoying. Yeah, yeah. that's and the so, worst kind of shit, dude. And then she gets like, so so she ruins like, th- this is probably not fair. Right, but I, I'm gonna say it anyway. Like, she really does ruin like three stories like within the show. <laughs> yeah, because like yeah. her and her and James are supposed to be together, and then she was kind of, you know, obviously being kind of hypocritical about wanting to to date Cooper, even though like Cooper and Donna don't have a lot of screen time, if any, you know. So yeah. then he was like, okay, fuck this. Like, I'm I'm recasting her and just you know recasted her. So we, and can we like real quickly, James bad, Bobby good, right? 
Like, oh, we all agree. <laughs> gotta love Bass Bobby. He's the yeah, best. Bobby's awesome. I was going to say, like, technically, because we were talking about this earlier, technically. Bobby, Bobby killed Mike. Bobby <laughs> killed Mike. Yeah. Bobby killed do, Mike. Do you realize what you just did, Bobby? Um, you know, yeah, technically Bobby kills the guy, but the guy was trying to kill him. He All he ha- all he's guilty of is being a faster draw, right? Fastest uh, gun in the West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah, a straight up. Sure. That was some straight up fucking no repercussions. Uh, but yeah, because Bobby does have a good ending later on. Um, oh yeah, his 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 whole storyline in the return is so beautiful, and in Ashbrook, yeah. really great actor. Oh, um, I was gonna say, uh, so uh, Chase, what was your rating, and and what do you think of Fire Welcome Me as a movie? Oh yeah, um, so I would say for Fire Walk with Me. This might be a little controversial, but on its own, I would give it maybe like three and a half, four stars. The thing is, if you factor in the return, because they have such a relationship, yeah. all of my complaints about Fire Walk With Me are addressed by the return. And all of the stuff in, in Fire Walk With Me that makes no sense suddenly makes sense once you watch the return. Even the stuff that like seems to be total nonsense, it all ties in to the return yeah when so she, like, with the screams, return i would say that i would give it you know uh probably four and a half or five stars yeah i'm i'm definitely like i said five stars um i i have to say this like because i i think this is like really important and this is why it's like my favorite lynch film this is like so film theory nerdy real quick but like so the first and second season of twin peaks right like lynch kind of portrays like Right, like Laura is the victim, right? Like surely she's just plays a victim, and then they bring her on as Maddie. Um, yeah. Later on in the show, and she's a victim uh, also. So she wait what? Because Maddie's also a victim too. Yeah, yeah. So 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 Shirley plays the victim, right? And then the show, um, and and uh. Like she, so she's kind of like the the catalyst for the story to start in the show and in, in, in Twin Peaks. But like, this is going to sound crazy, but like as like a filmic object, she is like, here's victim, she's the homecoming queen, she's whatever, right? Like she's she's like held up as like this paragon, like in the town, right? And like Fire Walk with me, the reason it's like a five for me is because like I actually think that. And this has probably been said before, but I, I do. When I first saw this, I was like, "Oh, like Lynch loves this character, like Laura Palmer. Like he oh, yeah. he like loves her, and it's not like he loves her and like all her flaws too, right? Because no, like, he shows he's, like he's like in love with her. <laughs> yeah, and he he shows like all these flaws, right? But she's like, you know, he's like, look, look at look at this this woman who or this this young lady who um she's she's a victim and she's a victim of you know uh violence in the household sexual violence and and she's she's a victim she's like in this larger narrative but like she really does like in the in fire walk with me kind of like she's tormented right completely but like she really does like take charge and 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 i also really respect the movie because like as a female character she can be She's not like the dichotomy of like the virgin whore. She's like, you know, sexual, Complex. but she's like she's multi-layered. Yeah, she's sexual, but she's like angelic, right? And she's she's a good friend and a good girlfriend, but a bad friend and a bad girlfriend. Like all all at once, right? Like it's 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 not like it's not like, oh yeah, Laura Palmer, the homecoming queen, died like 
that's it. She's a victim. End of story, right? Like Fire Walker Me really does. It's like Laura's story. And, and yeah, yeah. Also, I, you know, I texted you guys this. I was like, yo, Cheryl Lee, like she deserves way like more credit, right? Um, I mean, for Christ's sakes, like the first, the first ever film or television appearance was in Twin Peaks, right? Um, that was she was in college for theater at the time. And uh, Lynch was like, yo, that's my, that's Laura um, from a headshot. And, you know, there's, she does a lot. Like she, she, she shows like such emotion and, and, you know, um, and she was figuring it out. Like, I mean, and that's like a performance in fire walk with me, you know, like that she gives as if like a first time, like this is my first movie. I'm figuring it out. Actress, right. While she's in college is insane to me. Like she's so good in the movie. No, um, she she is fantastic. The, her performance in Fire Walk with Me is like the performance of a lifetime. It's brilliant. Um, her portrayal of of Laura is just so heart wrenching, and just like it, you just want to you just want to help her while you're watching it. You just want to help her so bad, but you, like because she's just like falling apart. She's just her psyche is just being torn apart, and, and you're watching it, and you just feel awful and it's just uh yeah it's 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 a beautiful performance though and and the 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 scene where she she runs out of the house with the picture and in the bushes and that's that's like an all like heart-wrenching like oh my like devastating it really is like and, and that's just like you know there's a lot of like movies you watch and you go okay like i i get like the emotions that like you know someone's like trying to portray it like on screen or whatever but like like you're not watching like an actress at that moment portraying like Laura, you know, like, like, yeah. Oh, I'm so upset. It's like, you know, it's like you're watching Laura, like go through this, like <laughs> seeing Leland leave the house. It's just fucking like, it's so heart wrenching, dude. And it's like, and, and it's also like, I mean, the ending too, like with the angel and everything is very, it's very like, Oh, she didn't succumb to the, the evil. Like she's the strongest person. Like, She's so strong. Right? That's what I'm saying. Like Lynch is like in love with her, right? He's like this girl yeah. is so like her. Like you said, her psyche's being torn apart. She's being t- absolutely tormented. This evil, malevolent force is absolutely trying to take her over, and then she's so strong that she chooses to to die. Like you know, and it's it's like yeah. I choose death over <laughs> this. I um I I was gonna ask if you guys have ever seen the uh. The video of like Cheryl Lee showing up as Laura Palmer uh, for the first day of filming of the return. Um, I'll I'll send it to you in the group chat or whatever because it's pretty good. But basically, she just walks on set. They're on the red room set, and Lynch just like kisses her, like not creepily. Like he like just like it's such a tender, beautiful moment. I can't describe it without fucking it up. So I'll just send it to you. But yeah, yeah. he like she she like she shows up on set, and he's so like breathtaking by her and like kisses her multiple times and like like it's like the scene from the original uh twin peaks whenever he's in uh when he's in um when he's in the booth with cheryl and he's like kissing her and bobby shows up and he's like oh, you it's a kiss young man or, oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. you're talking about shelly 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 sorry i said Shelley. yeah you are um, witnessing a three-quarter view of two adults engaging in a tender moment or whatever 
Yeah, there you so go. Yeah, yeah. He's the best, dude. Uh, I also, I, uh, I have to admit, I watch. I've probably seen like every episode of the Cleveland Show. Um, and if you don't know, uh, David Lynch plays the bartender. Uh, he plays himself, but he's a bartender. Yeah. Uh, and, but it's it's actual David Lynch. It's actual David Lynch. Uh, his voice. I like playing the show with the bear and the guy with the baby. He yells <laughs> at me. Yeah, those Beverly Hills property taxes have to get paid somehow, you know. Dude, um, yeah, I, I I still like the I still love the you know before uh, before return I, I still love the in the return where he's it, the video where he's shaking the um the the camera with Cheryl Lee screaming bloody murder like in the red oh, room. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, and then he's she's like ah, and he's he stops. He like looks at the film and he shakes her hand. I, was, I love that. So. Yeah, his his relationships with his actors are just so beautiful to watch because it's so clear that there's such a mutual respect. Yeah, you know they oh, he, they love him. He loves them. It's just great. He for sure, like I mean, absolutely, and you can see this like in in all of the properties or whatever. He for sure loves like McLaughlin and and Dern and and yeah, all of them. I mean, he he really he 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 loves like all of them, and and he he's such a good from 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 the stories that I've, I've read and heard, like he's such a good director for like those. I mean, there's a lot, like obviously like he's torturing, you know, the things and like he goes and he's like, Hey, are you all right? Like, and he's not like a, he's not like Kubrick, right? Where Kubrick's just like, yeah, you should just like die for this scene. Yeah, you right? should kill he's, yourself. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> oh, you don't like it. You should kill yourself. Yeah. Probably. He'll just like, good. he'll, he'll get the best performance out of these actors and then he'll sit them down and be like, are you okay? And like give them hugs and shit. He's you know? extremely like, gentle. He's extremely like, literally hands-on gentle like he he handles his actors like the broken little baby birds that he knows that they really are you know because <laughs> at the end of the day they're actors and he knows he's like i know you're fucked up kyle <laughs> inside you feel nothing <laughs> um yeah no uh but yeah that i th- i think one thing like we all can agree on we haven't talked about this but definitely i think the actors from twin Peaks. there are so many like you know bobby uh Shelly, uh, it's weird that of all the people that had like the biggest career, it ended up being like probably the worst Donna, you know, like the like most like probably like unlikable person on set, you know. I'm, I'm assuming Cloud McLaughlin had a pretty good career. Uh, he was on Sex in the City, and that's probably where I first saw him. Uh, Portlandia, Portlandia, he's amazing, he's amazing in Portlandia. Uh, he's in Agents of Shield. <laughs> oh, is he? Yeah, he's a bad guy. Oh, wow. in Agents of Shield. <laughs> But he had a good, like, I knew him outside of, like I said, I knew him outside of the Lynch universe from uh, Twin Peaks. But yeah, if, like, 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 uh, uh, the actors who played, um, like I said, who who played Bobby, uh, Matchin, Amick, Kyle. He was in a lot, like, so apparently, like, in the 90s or whatever, she was in, like, some, like, I don't know, sexual thrillers or whatever. Oh, just yeah. kind of played the the sexy girl or whatever. Ray Ray Weiss obviously is like super famous. I I know him the first place I saw, I know definitely the oh. I can tell you the first place I saw Ray Weiss was in RoboCop. What's up? Also, oh, hell so yeah. you were talking about earlier. I completely forgot. So Harry Dean Stanton makes his first appearance in mm. Twin Peaks and Firewalk with me, right? Yeah. And Earl oh my God, here's another like meta textual commentary from Harry Dean Stanton. He's like. 
um, when the FBI shows up, he, can't, he goes, I can't figure out a goddamn thing they're saying. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I can never figure Rocky. out a goddamn thing they're doing. <laughs> his, his delivery of like uh, when when the FBI agents are trying to get into the trailer and he's just like, ah, this is all the more shit I got to do. It's just so beautiful. And then obviously his appearance in Fire Walk With Me sets up his uh, beautiful, beautiful appearance in The Return. Yeah. One of one of like my favorite parts of the return, bar none, are the Harry Dean Stanton scenes. I don't scenes. like people selling their blood. Yeah. Oh man. I. It's crazy how many like. Uh, I mean, like so. Uh, in the original Twin Peaks, there was also like Molly Shannon before she was even on SNL. Uh, David Dana Ashbrook is the guy who plays Bobby Briggs. I want to uh, say shout out to Dana Ashbrook. He's uh, great. He also had had Heather Graham way before you know Boogie Nights or anything. Uh, oh, James's name. I think James's name is James or something. James Marshall. Yeah. Uh, James Hurley. Terrible. Hurley. <laughs> uh, yeah, J- James Hurley was played by James Marshall. Uh, there was Billy Zane. Um, I believe the guy who played Leo, his mother was the uh, Eric DeRay. Yeah, is his name. There's a lot of like. I, um, I think his mom was the casting director. I think that's how he got on there. Normal. Yeah, he's not very good. Yeah, I, that's why. That's what. I was, that's what. I was, that's what I was implying. <laughs> I tweeted out that uh, was it Peggy Lipton, right? Who's Norma? Amazing. Um, she's Rashida Jones's mom. Yeah. I was like, yeah, damn. Right. She was in Mod Squad. Uh, like you said, Quincy Jones's baby mama, the one, maybe the most beautiful woman to ever live, arguably. Like you, you, I would put her. I would, you know, she's yeah, she, quintessential milf. Uh, yeah. yeah, she's like still like just super. I mean, inc- like breathtakingly gorgeous in The Return too, which is like yeah, insane. Oh, any age, yeah, any age. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, uh, speaking of RoboCop, not only was Ray Wise in RoboCop, so was Miguel Ferrer. Who uh, was one of like the many people who like happened to die right as, as yeah. the return was coming out? Um, oh, Jack one Nance, of the critics we all know from. Uh, oh, I I was gonna say I, one more guy. Uh, Jack Ants we all know from Eraserhead, but uh, David Patrick Kelly, who like when I was the first time I saw Twin Peaks, I was like, man, how do I fucking know that guy? Like that Sean Penn looking kind of looking. He kind of looks like that Casey Casey Nat. Nate, like that, oh, nice uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He kind of looks like that guy, uh, because he, he's the guy from uh, the Warriors. Warrior, come out to play. That's him. That's that guy. He is the guy who does that with the bottles on his hand. Yeah, he's no, in I, Wild at Heart too, I think. Yeah, and then Jack Nance is also in Blue Velvet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, one of the things I was gonna say, talking about all these like actors and everything, is one of the one of the criticisms too of of a uh, fire walk with me is that uh, Audrey, right? She goes to their high school. She does not make a return. Um, it was because again, it was kind of the whole, well, I'm busy. Um, what was it, uh, what's her name? Um, the actress who plays Audrey. Oh um, man, I'm blanking so hard right now. Cheryl, Cheryl Finn. Cheryl Finn. Finn. Cheryl Finn. Yeah. Cheryl Finn. Yeah. So she, um, said that she was like, I have no interest in returning to this because, like, of how bad they treated my character in season two. Right? So, she was very upset. She was super upset that the Audrey Cooper thing never went anywhere. I was, like, listening to uh, on the Criterion of Firewalk with me. There's an interview with her and that's exactly what she says. She was like, uh, because of um, interpersonal relationships, uh, <laughs> she's like, my character was destroyed in season two. So, I had no interest in returning, and then Kyle McLaughlin 
you know, ever the States man was like, didn't want to throw anybody under the bus and was like, um, I just thought that was kind of silly. I mean, she's 18. She's in high school. He's an FBI agent. So I didn't think that would go anywhere. I didn't really like that storyline. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. That was one of the criticism. Cause I mean, she's in, she's one of the high school characters. Right. And, and you know, Yet again, the age gap discourse strikes again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but, uh, Kyle McLaughlin, what is he? Is he K hype or something? What? What's up? <laughs> but I mean, like he's dating, you know, like real life Donna. So I don't know. He's kind of a. Kind of a weird. Uh, yeah. yeah. me. Or David Bowie suit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Roadhouse, I think. Yeah. Or, oh, wait, no. I think it's. Supposed to be in Canada. Who knows? But I just know that, like, in the film. Uh, Oh, good. In like 20 years before. Um, and then one final connection that I think is a really interesting connection between um, uh, Firewalk With Me and Episode 8 is uh, everyone's Favorite character. God, how much biblical imagery there was in Twin. Like the the rate the like overlap of people who know the Bible and people who watch Twin Peaks is like very small. Godless perverts. Godless pervert liberals, basically.
<laughs> the movie, the angel frees Ronat Pulaski, like undoes her mm-hmm. wrist restraints so she can escape. Yeah. And then it's, I, I've always found it so weird how, uh, Mike's character, like at the end of the movie, like he's kind of shown not, he's more of a neutral character. He's not really a force of good. He's more like trying to return things to balance, I would say, mm-hmm. because, uh, there's this like unintentionally kind of funny shot where Mike is like leaving after he throws the ring into the uh, murder scene trailer. And he just like kind of steps over Ronette. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, like walks yeah. away. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. kind of funny. It's, well, he's so, he's so um, hyper focused on stopping uh, Killer Bob, right? Like, and that's something that is pretty, <laughs> that, I mean, he traumatizes Laura with Leland. It's your father, Laura. He's screaming at her. Just Everyone's that. screaming. Yeah, no, that scene it, is awful. It's it, then, not not awful. It's just so it, hard to watch. It's great, but it's because it's hard to watch. Yeah, and then she's like, literally, like they pull over, and she's like, "What incredible acting, right?" With Shirley again, she's like, "Who was that dad? I feel like I know him." And he's like, "What? You guys aren't doing anything. What is this world coming to? Like, this man like screams at me and my dog. He's like yelling at the mechanics yeah. and he's." Yeah, and then she's coming to the slow realization that, like, Leland is the, you know, he's the negative. You know, yeah, she that's, came, she came that's actually, that's one other thing that I wanted to bring up is uh, in the original two seasons of Twin Peaks, so in the second season when uh, Leland is revealed to be the killer, it's kind of treated uh, as if Leland, I mean, they literally say Leland, uh, he served as a good vehicle for me, Bob, you know, and it's kind yeah. of... It's kind of exculpating uh, Leland and kind of treating him as if he is not, you know, in control. But then Fire yeah. Walk with me totally changes that, and you kind yeah. of see a darker side of Leland. Uh, there's one quote in in specific towards the end of the movie when he says, "I always thought you knew it was me," and that's like the smoking gun, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then there's like in the you know it complicates it a little bit in the original theories. Um, but then again, it, it's kind of like, oh yeah, there's evil in these woods, right? Like they kind of say like, was Bob real? And he's like, well, you know, like whether Bob was a figment of Leland's imaginations or was real, you know, like we got the guy and it, but, but you're right. It kind of hand waves it away. And then that's a chilling scene. Oh my God. One of the most chilling scenes in, in most movies is the, uh, you have dirt under your fingernails. Oh my God. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, what is this guy going to do? And she's just like you know, so like flabbergasted. She's like, what, what? Like, and he's like, go wash your hands right now. She's been a bad girl. And like, Oh, it's terrifying. And then, um, you know, Sarah is like, just kind of quietly, like, please stop, please stop. And then she kind of freaks out a little bit, you know? Um, but, but, uh, yeah, I, I read too, like before we get into the return. Um, so in, in the, in the special features, Right. There was this um, there was this interview um, where uh, they're talking about how uh, uh, David Lynch and Mark Frost said that they always knew it was Leland. But the three characters that they had were it was Do- uh, Dr. Jacoby, Ben Horn and Leland Palmer. Right. Mm-hmm. And so no one knew who it was like the, they never told anybody in the cast. They never told any of the studio executives who it was. And then the studio executive pressured them to to um, find out. And so also imagine Amex said that they would get partial scripts. They wouldn't be able to read, you know, all, all of their scripts. They'd, they'd have like their 
their lines, you know, like and and the character, and then some of them were omitted depending on which character said them. Like if Leland was in a scene, like a lot of Leland's lines would be admitted. It'd be like, oh yeah, wait till you know he's finished saying his stuff, and then we'll give you a cue to kind of come in. Um, but also one of the reasons I say like Cheryl Lee deserves what she gets is when she's Maddie in season two. They filmed that scene the entire day of shooting. They just kept killing her. They kept filming that scene. They filmed it with Ben. They filmed it with Dr. Jacoby. They mm. filmed it with Leland and they filmed it with Bob. And she was, she was getting killed for 14 hours straight. Wow. Um, first, first time actress again. Yeah. Doesn't. And that scene is, is very horrifying too, obviously. Yeah. But, but yeah, so firewalk with me, last thoughts. Great. Yeah. I just want, like, like I said, one more thing I do totally agree with Chase's thing about like, I think uh, just being like, oh, Leland was just possessed by Bob. Like, that robs Leland of the his agency. You know, like, the more... It's it's much more likely that, like, Leland is both, like, a good dad and a horrible monster, you know? And, like... Uh, but, Bob, but Bob is also, like you said, he's also a real character and stuff. But he found a host in Leland. Like, something that I found from the book I actually want to give you guys his thoughts on this real quick. Like, because uh, something I, I found in the book, because we don't really get a lot of doppelgangers, really, in uh, the original Twin Peaks. But um, when I read the diary, there was a lot more of, of it there. Um, and, like, talking about, like, Laura. Like, Laura talks about seeing herself in the mirror, but it's a different person. Like, there's definitely stuff with Laura's doppelganger and, like, her disassociating in the book. Laura Palmer's diary. Uh, and I don't know, maybe that was there in the original and I just didn't pick up on it, but, uh, she has a, she has a doll. It's Maddie. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, in the, um, like an evil, like, yeah, like, uh, like you said, she, she like, she talks about seeing someone evil in the mirror or something. I don't know. I don't think, I don't think Laura's got an evil doppelganger because she's, like I said, in Firewalk with me, he's like really, he really loves Laura and he believes in her goodness, I think. And I think that's something that, like, you know, she's not, like I said, she's, she's, you know, spiritually good. She's, she's very three dimensional. She's got like a lot of flaws, right? Like a lot of things I, that we'd consider I, that we would consider like, or like, you know, like Prudes would consider flaws. But I think she's like an inherently like good force, I guess, you know, like if you, if you were to yeah. say, oh yeah, Bob and Leland are negative forces, then, then Laura is. Is, can't succumb to the negative force because she's she's good, which I mean, you know, kind of is less telling about Laura and I guess more telling about Cooper later yeah. on. Yeah, well, the the doppelgangers in the original series, it's like different because uh, it's kind of like the whole conceit is is like this uh, the structure of Twin Peaks in the first two seasons was kind of this soap opera mm-hmm. edifice, and so yeah, the the doubles in soap operas are kind of like a, a genre trope. Whereas the in the return, the doppelgangers are like a supernatural thing with the tulpas, yeah. so tulpas, it kind of yeah. takes on a different character, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I just, I feel like the seeds were there at least in the original, uh, or maybe I'm just reading too much into it. But uh, hey, that's fucking Lynch for you, right? You know. Yeah, he you actually makes fun of you in this movie for reading into it twice. <laughs> you smoke too much weed, and you just like read into stuff, and you know. But like that, like also, that's the fun. Like he knows people are gonna do that. You know what I mean? Like he knows people are gonna read into it, and I think, or you know what I mean? Like that's that's what makes it fun. Is you know, 
Yeah, that's what it's all about. I mean, how boring is it if you have a movie where every single time you watch it, it, you just think the exact same thing and you don't get anything new. But with David Lynch, you every time you watch his movies, you might notice something new or come up with like a new idea. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, 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 and it's something. It's not like everyone walks out and is like, "All right, we can all agree this was that's what it that movie was about, right?" Okay, good night. You know, that's yeah. it. We, we we would never talk about his shit again. But like the fact that it's intriguing and mysterious and stuff, you know, I think ultimately because yeah, I I did watch a lot of like I have seen a lot of David Lynch's short stuff, and I think ultimately like he is he's an artist, but he's also a showman, right? Um uh we see his like his son playing his doppelganger or not his doppelganger but like one of his self inserts i guess you know the little kid and he appears in firewalk with me it's like it, but it's played by his son or whatever uh yeah, another self insert with uh, uh what are they the chalfonts i think or the tremons one of those yeah some like the, the tremons yeah uh, but yeah, he's 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 fucking with us, uh, and we love it. Uh, and when we come back, we'll talk about the return. Welcome back. This is the water. This is the well. Drink full and descend. We're talking David Lynch. That's right, motherfuckers. Welcome to part two uh, of the episode, David Lynch, Twin Peaks. Now we're talking The Return, part eight. Uh, like I said, I even before I saw it, I'd pe- heard people talk about this episode, you know, like as something that stood on its own as a work of art. And uh, yeah, like I said, I think both of these things you can watch like back to back and kind of have a good idea like of like an experience or whatever uh but yeah i this is just like an awesome episode i think like i said mark frost said it's the closest they've come to like doing like a origin episode uh mark frost who we've established loves to talk about uh the <laughs> meeting uh loves to explain whereas lynch is like you know Ah, leave me alone. <laughs> you know, he just fucked that. Uh, he has zero interest in explaining himself. Uh, but yeah, I love this episode. Off the bat, I forgot that Nine Inch Nails was the musical guest in this episode. Uh, they were like my first favorite band. Them in Depeche Mode. Uh, as a young kid who got picked on a lot. Uh, <laughs> obviously, I was a big fan of. Uh, I didn't get. I didn't listen to them because I got picked on. Like I. I got picked on because i listened to them you know i was like wow i like nine inch nails and people were like nerd we're gonna kick your ass but uh <laughs> yeah it turns out nine inch nails is extremely cool uh i love i love the musical performance in this uh all of like the black and the leather and the sunglasses like i'm a total sucker yeah i think it's cool uh but yeah the return what do we think well uh, i uh i love okay. the return it's fucking amazing. Uh, episode eight is obviously, uh, I mean, un- uh, pretty universally adored. I would say I, I don't, I haven't met many people who are just like fuck this episode. No. Um, the Nine Inch Nails performance, by the way, I also forgot that that was in the episode. That just it, it serves as a testament to what a fucking insane episode it is. That I forgot that there was a full length performance by <laughs> exactly. the Nine Inch Nails. Uh, yeah, in, exactly. like the first 10 minutes of the episode. 
Oh, but, by the way, and by the way, I just want to say this. If you are a fan of Nine Inch Nails or this episode or their performance in it, go on YouTube, search Nine Inch Nails Gary Newman. Uh, there's a video of Gary Newman performing Cars with Nine Inch Nails in concert like a couple of years ago. It's one of the coolest, most badass videos I've ever seen. Um, just like a high recommend if you're listening. Yeah, but... um. Yeah, I, I would say that this episode, it kind of serves as, uh, it's kind of like a cosmo- cosmogony, if I'm saying that right, of mm. the entire kind of origin story or genesis of the evil that was kind of birthed into the world. And this like kind of this like uh, psychic battle that's like taking place between these different forces that you can't really ever fully understand. Uh, we We get to see the first appearance of what I assume is the White Lodge with the fireman and Lady Dido. And then obviously we see, uh, well, when when, uh, when the the first atomic bomb test takes place, yeah, uh, we we see kind of the birth of Bob, and uh, yeah. So I, I don't want to get too far into it before we, yeah, yeah. Is that Bob or I thought that was Judy? Well, well the, um, the, there's a blob that comes out gotcha. with Bob's face in it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gotcha. Sorry, I missed mixing up. Oh no, no, no! But yeah, uh, I don't want to get too far into it kid. before we hear from Matt. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I I love the return. Um, I I really do. I, I just finished the complete rewatch literally before we recorded. I like thirty minutes before we hopped on. I finished uh finished the show again. Um, uh, talking about the, you guys talking about the nice nails. I have no connection to most music. I'm a uh, Self-proclaimed. It's it's more for the memes than anything. I actually do like listening to music sometimes, but I don't really get that much out of music. I just kind of listen to it when I run, you know, or like if I'm just like bored or something. So like the musical performances in the return, I'm just like I fast forward through them. I don't care. Um, oh man, no, I like, that's I, crazy, dude. Yeah, I was like when, when they came on, I was like I like lit up my joint, and I was like, man, I'm like I'm fucking there. I'm yeah, I don't, I don't care. Cool. I'm just like whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'll like also, and then it, when the characters start talking in the double R or sorry, not the double R, the word house, and, like play it and then you know suffer through the music and then just continue on. Um, yeah, the other the other musical performance in the return that I love so much is the the chromatic song. I forget what it's called, but yeah, it's, uh, uh, yeah, that one's great. I was listening to that song like when I first watched the return. I was listening to that song like every single day. It's so good. Um. The Chromatics and Desire were both bands that I listened to before I watched this as well. No, the oh, best no. the best musical Desire's performance right. is James in the Return. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, singing that song that he wrote. <laughs> or uh, Audrey's Dance. Uh, yeah, Audrey's Dance. Um, yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I liked this episode. Um, it was good, but. I like I said, I just fast forwarded through the mm. through the nine inch nails. So, but so I I have spent a great deal of time thinking about this episode. It kind of captured my imagination from the first time that I saw it, and uh, I I love it so much. I think it is such like a great encapsulation of Lynch's entire philosophy of film. If yeah. you think about. Uh, so after the Nine Inch Nails performance, when the atomic bomb test starts, and it's just that 10-minute sequence with, uh, you know, Penderecki's uh, Threnody for the Victims of Hiroshima as the soundtrack, and we get all these amazing visuals. Uh, 
that is to me the core of David Lynch, where it's like that is that is an experience that you can only have by watching and listening to the to the 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 episode. You know, you you can't put that into words, and that's what Lynch is going for. Um, as far as the uh, kind of lore or the explanation, if we want to apply it, uh, I kind of view the the bomb. I mean, it's 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 hard to apply one one distinct explanation, yeah, because that's not really what Lynch is about. So I I have like a few different interpretations. Um, the first one is the most kind of obvious one is uh, you know the the bomb exploded and some kind of horrible evil came into our world. And I I kind of use you can kind of use episode eight as uh, a kind of way to decode the entire return because I think episode eight and the bomb are kind of reverberate throughout the entire 18 episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, we get we get the the whole sequence of the bomb explosion. We get the rest of the episode and you we see this kind of this malevolent evil force kind of making its way into our world. We see Bob being born and uh, I think that uh, it's it kind of reminds me of like Gnosticism, right? Where you you have this uh, you have a world that we live in, but it's it's a fallen world. It's it's fallen and it's disgraced. And humans that live in this world have have these souls, uh, and their their souls are pure, but everything around us is 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 so debauched and so broken. And nothing makes sense, and it's just it's just a, a nightmare. That's what the whole return feels like. All eighteen episodes, it just feels like something has happened, and everything yeah. changed, and nothing can be ever like it was again. And that's that's uh, one interpretation. Another is uh, kind of a more out there interpretation. I think uh, maybe a little conspiratorial, but um, if you think about in our world the the consequences of the atomic bomb um it's something interesting to think about is how much of our modern day technology came from the development of the bomb you know Mm -hmm. our nuclear technology uh uh the internet actually started out as arpanet and it was a, a network that was uh built to connect a bunch of different computers that controlled missiles uh, and ev- eventually developed into uh, the internet as we know it today. So many Silicon Valley companies like Google started out as military or government contractors. And I think there's there's a little bit to be said about the connection between uh, the evil in Twin Peaks that was kind of loosed by the uh, testing of the bomb and the evil in our world that was kind of loosed by the testing of the bomb. Um, but that's just a, a couple of thoughts that I have on it. I like that second one a lot, actually. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I my viewing of it, like without reading any of Mark Frost's the final dossier, is that um, is that yeah, it's it's like this this dropping of the bomb, right? Which is a, a force because <laughs> Gordon Cole, right, in in the Return later on describes Judy because like also so yeah, I was like looking because I was like confused. I was like looking it up because I was, I remember. Wait, doesn't isn't Judy at the end of this episode and she she the full amphibian insect thing is supposed to be Judy that goes into Sarah Palmer, which it doesn't explain that that's Sarah Palmer, but that is Sarah Palmer, right? Whose whose mouth it goes into or whatever. It's um, it's never really explained at all. I mean, she's around the right age to be Sarah Palmer, but they never they never conclusively right, they never, say it. 
Which you know, because hey Sarah, yeah. (laughs) Isn't Sarah like seventeen in nineteen eighty-seven? Is she? I think so. Hey, wait. Oh, Sarah's seventeen in nineteen eighty-seven. Something like that, because she's in high school when she dies, right? And the the original Twin Peaks is like nineteen. No, Laura. You're thinking of Laura. Oh, Laura. Sorry. Yeah. Sarah's her mom. Oh, okay, Sarah. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Sorry. Yeah. So she would be. Yeah. That that's the correct age. But like, yeah, because like Sarah's the housing for this like extreme negative force known as Judy, and then like, right? He kind of, you know, there's a lot of like imagery with, like you said, with the bomb, where it's like this big this big moment in like history, right? This like super evil, right? It can cause untold death and destruction. And then like, you know, I don't think it's a, you know, like, like you said, there's multiple layers. You can kind of read it as like, there is actually like an evil being loosed, like an actual force, or you can just say, Oh, well, like the bomb is the force, right? That's kind of being loosed. This, this evil, it, it's probably both, you know? And then, it's Bob and it's these two these two negative forces, right? The the masculine evil of Bob, right? And then like the kind of the feminine Judy. Um and this 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 uh the the woodsmen, of course, you know, they appear in this the you got a light, got a light. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, so, so like I said, there's this, you know, there's these two neg- like negative forces that are unleashed upon the world with the bomb, and like, you know, even uh, I think before this episode, like you see Director Cole, right, and he's got a, a giant picture of the atomic bomb going off at his office, which is kind of a weird <laughs> thing to have in your office, like as the director of the FBI, <laughs> just a giant picture of the bomb. It's like, all right, I guess, but yeah, I, I. I kind of agree, Chase. With the, but, but you know, if, if the director has it in his office, then it must be important, right? Because yeah, exactly. Uh, David Lynch, Gordon Cole, direct—they're both directors. You know, it's—he's—he's he's just, I, in my opinion, that whole thing with the bomb in his office is—he's just telling you this is important. This is something I'm thinking about. This is something you should be thinking about too. Oh, for um, sure. And and like yeah. you know, a lot of the evil, more metaphysical stuff happens with uh, electricity. <laughs> Right, because like you were saying, like a lot of the technology kind of comes from the bomb, and like there's a lot of like static crackling and electricity, and and that's usually when like evil shit happens, you know. So within Twin Peaks, so yeah, and when you think about fire, uh, which is a major, you know, kind of uh, symbol or theme in in Twin Peaks. I mean, what is an atomic bomb? But like the most fucking insane, terrifying fire of all time. Yeah, and Hawk even Hawk even kind of describes it, right? He's talking like, about like the black fire, right? It's like the the burning of wood, right? Like yeah, as fuel or the like the burning of wood as fuel, like as fire, because like um, obviously like the the log lady is like a very important character throughout like the whole show. Uh, her performance in like the return is very heartbreaking. Obviously, she dies like four days after she records her parts. Uh, yeah. Margaret. Yeah, and she you know, she's a lifelong Lynch collaborator. Um, but yeah, so like, uh, and you know, so the idea of like woodsmen and fire and like you know power, like fire is fuel, I guess. Um, well, the, is, like, the book. Yeah, go ahead. I no, I was that's it. 
I was, I was just gonna say that like that's like a very because to me I think like it's all like I think Lynch in his head has very specific symbolism like to him it stands for something very specific it doesn't necessarily mean it's something literal like it doesn't mean like oh this equals that it's more of like this symbol has like a very specific meaning to him and yeah um and it's something that he also feels is universal because you know what i mean like it's like by seeing it we can experience we 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 identify it as well or we should be able to identify it in his mind you know what i mean like um because that's why i think you get so frustrated because he's like well i'm giving you it all uh but yeah it's like it it means something to him but it doesn't necessarily mean something literal i guess well yeah, and then, like, there's a bunch of stuff, like, in the original, and, the, like, and then in the return, where, like, wood is, like you said, wood's basically, like, it holds, it can hold, like, spirits and memories and voices, right? Because it holds, like, Josie, and then the log lady gets messages from her log, right, um, mm. all the time. But also the wood holds evil because it holds the lodges, it holds good, you know, both lodges. Uh, it holds evil and good at the same time. And, um, you know, like, uh, very, very much, I guess like that can be kind of like, oh yeah, but the woodsmen come from the woods and, and, and the book, the bookkeeping boys, I think is what they're called. The bookhouse boys. Yeah. Bookhouse boys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, they're, you know, they're, um, talk about the evil in the woods, right. They're kind of like, there's always been evil in these woods type situation. And the the fire, like you said, there. Hawk talks about the fire. He's like, fire is you know a symbol. It can mean two things. It can mean warmth, but it can also mean, um, you know, it can mean warmth, but it's also a destructive force. And yeah. like, especially in the with the map that uh, Gar, like the Major Briggs gives him, is that um, yeah, it's a fi- like black fire, right? The Black Lodge mixed with the fire is obviously going to be a destructive force. And that's like you were saying, Chase is like, you know, and then and the Hawk even says too, like, well, electricity, right? Like it's kind of like fire was light and warmth, And now we have electricity and it's kind of like, you know, tying into the, the electricity and, and technology yeah. can be both good and evil and, and, and a multitude of, of things. Um, and like, like you said, the atomic bomb is definitely like, you know, extreme negative, destructive, force that kind of unleashes the Botuvian bomb. Yeah, it, it was funny. I was re-watching part eight, uh, episode eight yesterday, and I remember being so confused by it, but re-watching it really it made a lot more sense be- because I was able to get some distance from it. And when you stop trying to figure out every last thing and just focus on the big stuff, it becomes a lot easier. Because so in the episode, what we have happening, uh at the beginning of the episode there's a uh, a beautiful kind of sequence where uh, Ray shoots Cooper, evil Cooper, and um, the woodsmen start to heal him. And it, this brilliant sequence where it's it's like fucking horrifying. Uh, I don't know if uh, you guys know this, but the soundtrack for that sequence is actually uh, Moonlight Sonata slowed down by like 100 times. Oh, wow. uh, it sounds so cool. Um, but then we kind of get into the episode after the, the musical break. And then, so there, there's the atomic bomb explosion. We see the birth of Bob. I always uh, was kind of confused about what um, 
you know the the like kind of gray floating thing that like pukes out Bob. Yeah. Uh, it, it's supposed to be Judy, I think. But this time when I was watching it, I kind of thought of it as uh, kind of a personification of the the bomb itself of of the explosion. Judy's um, the insect thing, right? She's the frog. Well, wh- that's if you remember the if you um remember the the scene where Bob is birthed inside the stream of like kind of goop. There's also yeah. other little uh, eggs that come out, and the the eggs look exactly like the one in the desert that hatches the frog moth thing. Um, but so we have our atomic explosion. The camera zooms inside of it. We get this beautiful sequence, and then it we go to the White Lodge, where we have the fireman and Lady Dido, and basically the fireman gets a phone call on that fucked up like huge. Bone thing yeah the weird well there's like the weird machine in the room uh it kind of actually looks like the jeffrey's machine toward the end yeah um, yeah but it's like a it's like a bell thing that goes off that like uh that like makes an alarm yeah and yeah so so he gets kind of like an alarm or a phone call or whatever telegram and uh he kind of, he gives birth to this golden orb that uh you know has laura's face in it and so yeah. I, I kind of viewed it as, I mean, Lynch is all about balance, the balance between good and evil, black yeah. and white. And uh, I kind of viewed that as, you know, the fireman uh, restoring balance when he, he kind of produces this this orb that represents, you know, goodness, happiness, Laura, whatever you want to call it. And we see it, you know, kind of go into the earth uh, to kind of to try to right this this wrong, this injustice, yeah. this imbalance that took place. Mm-hmm. Um and the interesting part about the White Lodge and the Black Lodge is it's the White Lodge and the Black Lodge, they don't really seem like they're good or evil. It just seems like two different kinds of uh, forces that have to remain in balance. You know what I yeah. mean? Where they're, they're, they're not really a... I wouldn't say like the White Lodge is... I mean, it is a force for good, but not yeah. in, like a, in a sentimental way. It's kind of like... That's they just want to maintain balance. That's what I was trying to say earlier. It's like no one, no one is like really good or bad. It's all like it's again, like it's like it's all about maintaining a balance and stuff. And like if the if the light is necessary, then so is the darkness. You know, like on a very like simple level. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Also, a, a fun thing from the the scene with the fireman is like when he floats in the air and he's like levitating, uh, laying on his back. It reminded me so much of like Lennon's uh, uh, mummified body. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just yeah. I made that connection. I don't know why. That's funny. What's the What's the difference you think between the fireman and the because the giant? Right, it's a different character. I think it's the same guy. It's just different names, right? Yeah, I, I thought it was just kind of the same same character. Because he calls himself a giant, and then I guess because the arm morphs into the tree, then he's got to be the fireman now. Who knows? Like yeah. That. Well, the arm is uh, is Philip Gerard's arm, or not yeah. Philip Gerard because he's the human, but uh, Mike. It's Mike's arm. Yeah, it's, he cuts off his arm, and then the arm becomes the the tiny guy, and then the tiny guy morphs into the. the tr- yeah, it's a it's a shame that that guy Michael J. Anderson he he had some kind of falling out with Lynch where he uh, he demanded crazy. like millions of dollars to be in the return and was like calling him a, a rapist on social media or something. But it's a shame that he couldn't be in the return because he was pretty great in, you know, the original series. 
Yeah, yeah, that's why they like made him the tree or whatever. Um, another interesting note about um, I just want to say like go, going back to like Audrey Horn. Um, they uh, Lynch and Frost actually tried to develop a spinoff series, like based around Audrey. Um, but it didn't work out. But the pilot uh evolved into uh Mulholland Drive. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah I did not know that. I knew Mulholland Drive was a pilot originally, but I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, it was an Audrey Horn thing, yeah. Interesting. Pretty, pretty interesting, yeah. But yeah, I wanted to talk about, like, the Woodsman, because the Woodsman shows up in this. Um, They also show up in Firewalk With Me, but, like, in a very different form, like, without the soot, basically. Um and I don't know if you've seen, like, in uh, the credits to Inland Empire, there's also, like, a, he's credited as, like, a, uh, like a, uh, a, what do you call it, a lumberjack, but um, he basically looks just like the woodsman character. You know, woodsman, lumberjack, it's pretty interchangeable anyway. Um, but, like, he, it's, because, it, you know, the the Inland Empire credits, I'm not ruining anything, but it's just, like, a big dance number all these women who are like sort of casually dressed in like a hotel lobby and uh yeah just randomly there's like a lumberjack just cutting wood in the middle of it um and it's like very like out of place and it like sticks out and like i don't think that means that like that movie has a very literal connection to twin peaks i just think that like it shows that like lynch has this like set of symbols like this symbolism like these ideas for symbolism that he has been working on and that he has been like trying to like they mean something to him and he's been like like crafting them over time basically you know what i mean like yeah uh, the return is definitely like a a greatest hits too it's like a yeah it's like an amalgamation of all of his like ideas kind of like finally synthesized got like all of the players like naomi watts is in it right like lord irons in it yeah it's got all the Dean Stanton. It's got all the, you know, unfortunately Jack Nance passed away, so he couldn't be in it. But yeah, and yeah, and, and uh, part eight is just like the like epitome of that to me. Um, yeah, I mean, if you guys want to get into the the section with the woodsman, um, yeah. where they have David Lynch cast a, an Abraham Lincoln impersonator. Yeah, uh, and something interesting that I hadn't really considered before the scene where. Uh, the little girl who may or may not be Sarah Palmer is like walking home with that boy. She finds a penny on the ground and she picks it up and it's face up and Abraham Lincoln, his shiny face is, is, uh, you know, reflecting. And so that's kind of interesting. Again, Um, I don't want to like, I don't want to obviously, you know, Mark Frost explains too much, but yeah, it it is Sarah Palmer. I was just going to, in the final dossier, he's like, yeah, it's Sarah. So anyway, right. Um, that it may or may not be. Who knows? I I mentioned during uh, the fire walk with me segment that I was gonna have say something about the horse. So, um, in the wood, woodsman's uh, little monologue that he repeats into the uh, radio, he says the horse is the white of the eyes, which I think is a really that's like the most revealing part of his entire monologue. So, the horse is the white of the eyes. The the white horse that Sarah Palmer sees repeatedly throughout uh the original series and in uh, fire walk with me and it's the white horses in the return a bunch um 
So my interpretation of this is that, uh, so the horse is the white of the eyes. The white of the eyes are the part of the eyes that can't see. And they're also the part of the eyes that you can see when somebody is looking away from something. So for me, uh, the, the horse, basically what it means is, you know, looking away from something wrong that's happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously for Sarah, that would be the abuse of her daughter oh, that's uh, a good at, at the hands of Leland. Because yeah. we, we see in, the, in Fire Walk With Me that uh, Sarah clearly knows that something is horribly wrong. I mean, during the dinner sequence, when she is, you know, trying to get Leland to stop abusing uh, Laura about the, her hands being dirty or whatever, and she, you know, is clearly... She clearly knows that something kind of, you know, is not right here. And then there's the scene uh, in Firewalk with me when, when Sarah is uh, drinking the, the milk that's like drugged from Leland. Uh, and yeah. and you could just imagine when you're watching this that this isn't the first time, of course, that he's done this. Yeah. This has been happening for years, and but she just can't square it in her mind. Uh, she can't see a way out. And I'm I'm not saying that. Uh, Sarah is like evil or a bad character and I'm, she's a victim too, you know, and I'm not trying to, you know, obviously blame her for any of this, but I think that's a big part of this episode is, is, uh, looking away, looking away from, from evil, yeah. looking away from, you know, horrible things that are happening around you. And that always, that always stuck with me. The wide of the eyes and dark within. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, I I've forgotten how much like biblical imagery there was in this specifically, like the pale horse, you know, like obviously like invoking the pale horse of the apocalypse or like uh whatever. Like, um, do you do you want to talk about like the explainer videos? Like, uh, because like I said, to me, it's always just really fascinating because it has become like a cottage industry of like explaining twin Twin Peaks and like uh. I think a lot of them, I like watching them because I like to see, like, the connections they make and stuff. Um, well, the I think the Maggie one is is really well done. Yeah. Um, and I think she has, is she, there's a lot of, like, people who talk about Twin Peaks and they're like, I feel this, right? I feel that, right? Like, just baby, there's a lot of, like, baby readings, too. Like, they take everything, like, literal face value. Um, and then they just don't really think about any deeper, deeper implications. Like I remember seeing like someone on Twitter and chase, you actually like, were like, this is so stupid. And I was like, yeah, I agree where they were like, Twin Peaks is about there's, it's a perfect town and like evil comes out and like, you know, it's like, Oh, like Lynch everything is about was good. the everything evil was, of the suburbs or whatever. That's so cringe. Yeah. It's like, everything's good until like just this malevolent force shows up and ruins everything. It's like, well, no, like, you know, even before like the killing of like Laura Palmer, you know, which is kind of the thing that sets the catalyst of like all these kind of evils to be uncovered. There's like drugs running rampant in Twin Peaks. It's, it's like prostitution running rampant, yeah. you know? And um, I was before uh, going on to the explainer videos, I wanted to say, too, about the white horse is like, you know, like you said, um, Stephen, I think like it is kind of like harbinger of the apocalypse, harbinger of death and stuff, too. But it could be like, you know, because like Lynch is all about the the different meanings and and everything, too. And it could be like, you know, because I think Sarah sees the she sees the white horse right before she fades off. And it's like. No one. So one of the things is like it, it, the thing about Twin Peaks and like the return 
in my opinion, is it kind of busts the myth of like the the savior, right? Because like Cooper, like ultimately, I guess in the ending, kind of fails to save and fails to redeem, right? Like it's not his, you know, it's not his play. Like his 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 idea is that, it, it, and we all think too. Like once Cooper comes back, you know, in the fall, once he becomes not Dougie but Cooper, then and he can he can go back. He can stop Judy. He can stop Bob because they already stopped Bob, right? Yeah. It, or did they, you know, type thing. Um, and he thinks he can go back and, and stop Judy, but also kill two birds with one stone, like he says, and and, and save Laura, right? That's his, that's his goal. Um, and he's he wants to be Laura's savior, right? Because that's, that's kind of a failing, right, of, of the entirety of, like, of, yeah. of Twin Peaks and of Cooper and of the FBI and everybody in general. So um, I think maybe the horse, too, could be like a... Like uh, there's no there's no knight atop the white steed, right? There's no savior, right? Like it, it is kind of a failure of the entire. Like Bobby says in the in the original series, he's like, we all knew shit was going on, but nobody stood up to help Laura. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah. And that's something that you know, like she kind of sees this horse, right? And she, you know, Sarah, yeah, exactly. and and again, Sarah's a victim. You can't really blame Sarah for not standing up to Leland, right? But at the same time, like no one no one does. No no one does. There's no there's no there's no knight upon the white steed, right? It's just a it, I think, it's steed. I think with this Sarah it's the same thing as like Leland where it's like she doesn't stop him, but she doesn't like it's the same thing with Leland where it's like he does love his like he he does does he does do this stuff, but he also like uh the I think the reason why like uh Lynch separated uh Bob from Leland so much was to be like to say that he can be the father and the good guy but also uh the really evil person at the same time. You know what I mean? I like I don't think it's literally two people. I think like it's like it, it's all Leland still, you know what I mean? Like I don't I don't think Well, that's what I'm saying. There has to be something yeah. in Leland that allows Bob to Yeah, yeah. To come in right like there's i think that's something that's kind of like with the forces or whatever like the mm-hmm. evil negative forces there's got to be something inherent you know and not necessarily like a uh you know like literal inherent like they are evil or whatever but there is yeah. something fucked up about leland right you know and there's sure. there's something slightly fucked up, you know because sarah went through that she she lost her daughter and then she realized her husband was raping and killed her daughter and and you know killed um, her daughter's like the cousin too, so it's like yeah, and yeah. Teresa too. Yeah, and you know, and he was he he raped. Um, yeah, he he's been he's been doing this constantly, right? And it's kind of like obviously something fucked up is gonna snap, and she's gonna snap, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, but no, he, I I actually I really like what you were saying, Matt, about how there is no savior because I think that's uh, if we're talking about uh, this is an episode eight, but the very end of the show, the last scene which is so powerful and resonant to me where yeah, yeah. Uh, Cooper you know, crosses over, he's in another world or something, and he finds Laura, but she's not Laura anymore, and he's trying to remind her of, you know, make her remember, and so he brings her back to Twin Peaks, back to her home, but when they get there, no one knows who Laura is, she never lived there, and the, 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 the most horrifying thing happens everyone has forgotten everyone has forgotten who laura was everyone has yeah. forgotten all of this and just laura just screams and, and, yeah, the, and it's uh, horrifying 
the the people who like appear to own, like those are the actual owners of the house too. They like play themselves in the show. Yeah, yeah. I always thought that was I, I was never quite able to figure out why Lynch did that, but it is an interesting choice. Yeah, I think I think some of the because um, with a lot of the interpretations I found, even if they differed, I found a lot of them all agreed on the idea of like Twin Peaks being about like I that I can't figure out if it's a show about TV in general or if it's a show just about itself. You know what I mean? Like I think those are two very different I think, things. I think it's actually both. Like I think like Chase was saying, it can be a multitude of things. Because yeah. I mean, for Christ's sake, like. We didn't even talk about Fire Walk with Me starts with a smashing of the TV. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pretty, that's pretty, that's like, pretty clear. That's, that's pretty explicit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just yeah. in case you weren't sure how Lynch was feeling about his time at ABC. Yeah, he was very, he was very not, not happy, happy yeah. with that. So, yeah, and then, I mean, like, there's a lot of, like, TV imagery, right? Like, I mean, the cube, you know, is definitely a metaphor for TV. <laughs> with all yeah. The- yeah, and there's a yeah. lot of, like, uh, <laughs> Ref- yeah there's a lot of like references in the return to like uh tv and stuff and uh yeah i mean i think i i, I don't know like necessarily what he's trying to say though because like saying it's about tv i don't know that i mean it could it could it could be it could be about a lot of things it, it, which it probably is right like it's not yeah that's what i think chase was completely right when he said yeah. that Lynch, lynch's work is is about a lot of things you know i think that's a it can be about multiple things you know it's about tv especially like the return right like i think maggie's video kind of says this pretty pretty explicitly and i think i agree with it where it's you know the the original twin peaks was a was a, a conversation about right like this this medium that was kind of like at the time was looked down upon, right? Like the soap opera elements, right? And then they kind of made this like a great meta textual mystery, you know, Lynchian yeah. show about soap operas, you know, and there's like a soap opera in the original Twin Peaks. And then like Lynch was talking about like prestige, like quote unquote TV. And like, I think the return is like a lot, there's a lot of like elements in the return that are kind of like poking fun at, at, you know, prestige TV. I mean, like my, Absolutely. so everyone's least favorite part of the return was like actually on the rewatch was my favorite part. I love the Dougie stuff. Like I didn't, oh, like it yeah. I didn't like it at first, you know, I was kind of like everyone else. But then once I, I was seeing kind of like what was going on, I was like, I love this. It's just like wholesome, you know, but like it goes against the whole, like, because Dougie's, you know, Coop, he's the main character. He's the main protagonist. Yeah. He's yeah. got like a bunch of plot armor, you know, like, multiple times like you know mike and and the red you know the the lodges intervene you know and dougie like figures out this conspiracy and they all think he's like a genius and and, you know and then like also i mean um naomi watts is definitely like the 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 woman character like in prestige tv where everyone's like look at the stupid woman character or whatever but she's like the most competent one she like pays off the 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 um the lone sharks and she is definitely like the driving force behind like Dougie, right? Coop. And yeah, well, speaking uh, speaking of like uh, meta narratives, I think uh, one that I was thinking about recently with the return is, I mean, it's in the title, the return. I think the, the return is kind of a, a commentary on reboots and uh, you know, reimaginings and bringing back old stuff from the past 
And uh, I mean, that's why, you know, the the entire thing is the return is is very hard to watch at points. I mean, it's like it's almost like punishing you for watching it where it's sure. like they brought they brought Twin Peaks back, but it, it can never, ever be the same. And it's, it's not trying to up. be. <laughs> it's the most fucked up version you could imagine. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, like, I mean, Cooper, Coop, like, the... God, I think, like, also, I'm taking this idea from, like, I said, like, a podcast. Shout out to, like, Why Theory. They had an episode on... Uh, it's a good theory podcast. They had an episode on Twin Peaks The Return. But, I mean, they, they said, um, and, and I think I agree with this, like, the extreme delay that The Return does is, is, a, is a great thing that like kind of makes you more satisfied like when the thing happens because like the entire time you're watching the show and you're like waiting for cooper right you're waiting for dale cooper to come back and it's like you have to sit through dougie and like dougie's like the slow i mean he walks slow he's like you know he can only repeat what other people say to him right like he kind of like there's a lot of like introspective, like come on, hurry up moments with Dougie because we're like everyone's waiting for Cooper, right? And I think that's why people don't yeah. like the Dougie parts. But like the thing is, when Cooper comes, it's so satisfying because I mean, like you know, he the the reveal is a uh, right, like when he when he finally comes back after the coma and he's like, you know, they're like, oh, we should call the FBI, and he turns around, he's like, I am the FBI, you know, it's like the swelling yeah. music and. And everything, and it's kind of like the fu- the thing that finally pays off, you know. And and the same thing, like they've said that that happens with the Norma Ed thing too, right? Like, there's like Ed comes in and he's like Norma, you know, Nadine finally, and that I think that was a that was definitely meta. Like the the actress who plays Nadine, I don't know her name. Please forgive me if you're listening, but she's like, you know, I was just a like a a bitch these entire like she says it so forcefully dude i have been a bitch (laughs) yeah and i'm just like oh that's definitely gotta be like meta right like because it's just like and she's completely blaming herself right which is what the kid like the the viewer of the show probably does because they're like why can't ed get with norma right the entire time and she's like i'm a bitch and i've been fucking bitch dude like yeah you're like and i'm just so selfish and i've known that you and you and norma have loved each other and she's like really hamming it up and i'm like yeah lynch lynch is like see what this is what you're getting what you want you fucking cry (laughs) yeah you're not supposed to get what you want yeah especially tv yeah and then like norma like ed goes in there he's like yo like nadine's kind of freed me and then norma's like hold on, here comes the boyfriend, right? And she, like, leaves, and then he sits down, and, and Shelly's like, what do you ha- What do you want? And he's like, I'll have coffee, and then she walks away, and he goes, and a cyanide tablet, right? And he's just so dejected. And then, like, it takes, like, a whole conversation with, like, Norma and her new, her business manager, who's also, like, her partner, right? Yeah. This whole conversation, like, yeah. it happens, and then you don't even know that, like, she's going to get together with Ed until, like, he leaves, <laughs> and then she walks over and is like, he goes, will you marry me? And she's like, of course I will. You know, it's, and it's the, the, in yeah. the delay that you get the satisfaction. Yeah, no, that scene's amazing. I, I love how in that scene before, uh, when Norm, or when Ed thinks that, you know, he just like blew up his life and, you know, he, he thinks that Norma isn't going to be with him. He, he's kind of like meditating yeah, uh, with his eyes closed and waiting. And then and his little David but, Lynch haircut. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, definitely, sure. definitely uh, interesting stuff there. 
I, I this isn't really specific to episode eight, but I, just throughout the the return, uh, I love just all of the little, just kind of uh, references to our modern world. How yeah, seemingly like unconnected, just uh, like just horrible, horrific violence just kind of seems to randomly happen, and no, it, it, it's not obvious where it's coming from. And just everything seems just kind of like scary and like like anything could pop off at any moment. I, I like, think I think yeah, I think the scenes like outside of uh, like outside of the bar, like with the nor- with the quote unquote normal people where they're all like possessed and shit and like puking black oh shit. My- yeah, that that scene with the the double R diner too. Where yeah, like, I feel like this gun, and then that girl's honking the horn. She's like, she's sick. She's oh, sick. Yeah. And that kid spewing bile. It's like great. There's I, a lot of evil stuff I, I, happening. I, I, I was just gonna say, like that to me feels like the most direct response of Lynch talking about like the world that uh, consumes his art. I guess like technically, like I don't know if it's technically talking about the audience or like or like an audience at large but like like i don't think he's talking about his audience specifically but i think he's talking about just like general audiences and like they have this weird mix of like panic but like also like um like everything's so disgusting and like violent and fucked up but like they all they want to get like they you know like she's trying to like get somewhere but like everyone's like puking bile around her and it's like it's this insane, like, where where are you trying to go, you know? like Yeah, and then and then Bobby is just, like, reacting to it. It just cuts to his face, yeah. and he's just so confused. Like, he tried to get out there and help, but it's just, mm-hmm. like, he... Because exactly. he, he went out there because uh, somebody, like, a kid, like, shot a gun yeah. that they, like, got their hands on. And then a completely unrelated, per, like, car behind the car that the gunshot came from. It just has this like horrible thing happening. This this kid's sick, and this lady's fucking screaming, and he just has no idea what to do. And yeah, I yeah. love that scene. It's just so so like fucked up and haunting. Yeah, and I, like I said, the lady she she's like, I mean, I I feel like even when I want you, like she can just drive around these people. But instead, she just like honks and honks and just. I feel like that to me is like directs like like that's a Lynch's most direct like uh response to. His audience, basically. She's not even concerned with like the. She's like, we got dinner plans, and, <laughs> yeah. and like, we gotta get with six thirty. We're already late, and blah blah blah. And like, and then she's like, she's sick, and then you see the kid like rise up like a zombie, spewing green. <laughs> he starts screaming bloody murder. Yeah, there's definitely like a meta. Like the evil is um is you know more. I think like not not meta, but they're like the evil is kind of like more prevalent you know yeah like more it's more easily you can see it easily you know it's like a lot of evil shit's happening and and, uh yeah what's interesting though is like like the little trailer part besides like um becky right amanda seyfried which is shelly's daughter um besides her husband most of the people at the trailer park are very nice people <laughs> like, yeah harry stanton's just like this nice man you know like, yeah i love all like the scenes people. with harry dean stanton where he's just kind of looking out for his people mm-hmm. yeah and it's like it does seem like he's kind of like the there's a lot of like there's a lot of depression like stuff going on right like everyone's like 
living dollar to dollar. They don't have any money. And, you know, the economic depression hit the trailer park really hard. And yeah. a guy selling his blood and stuff. And he's very, like, Harry Dean Stanton's very much like, I don't know, like, he's such a bastion of, like, hope, too, you know, and niceness that he's kind of like, and he's like a curmudgeon, too, which is so funny, you know, like, he usually plays like a curmudgeon guy. And, and he, he's playing this, like, really nice old man who's, like, keeping it all together, you know? Look, here's the thing, Harry. You're playing a guy who doesn't want to get fucked. <laughs> nah, sorry. I didn't um, so let's do... Okay, so I guess we should do thoughts, you know, final thoughts on the return as a whole. And then also, Chase, I want to hear your thoughts on rate reaction videos and everything. The explainer yeah. videos. Yeah. Yeah, because um, uh, yeah, I, I just want to say, I specifically invited Chase so that he can respond to the uh, explainer videos. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, just generally my reactions of the return would be uh, it's it's brilliant and I love it. And uh, I, I hope that David Lynch is able to make more things like it. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's had a long career and if he's tired, then I understand that, too. Uh, as far as the explainer videos go, I it, it I, I watched that four hour uh, uh, Twin Peaks explained no really or whatever by Twin Perfect. And uh, it, it really kills me because it's like he says in the beginning of the video, like, yes, I understand that David Lynch doesn't like to talk about his work because putting it into words kind of destroys it and it's lost that's, in translation. But then he very, does it for like four hours straight. Yeah. It's like, what are you fucking doing, man? I was going to say, like, the David Lynch's philosophy is very Tarkovsky-esque in that sense of like a movie is inherently like it's it's audio and visual. So it's like. It's not words. So, like, you shouldn't have to be able to explain your feelings in words because it inher- it's not words. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's 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 feelings. It's art, you know? And yeah, I think... And yeah. It's, it's, like, pretty clear that he wanted to make a really long video because he, he does have some interesting ideas throughout the video. I mean, yeah. it would seem like most of them might be by accident because if you're, like, filling four hours, you're going to say something right. But, uh... It's it. Most of it is just garbage. I mean, he like just makes all these connections that make absolutely no sense. It's like any 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 uh, scene in that video where he's trying to break down a, a Twin Peaks scene. It's fucking complete nonsense. Like I know I watched the Maggie Mayfish video that you guys were talking about, uh, where she kind of uh, puts some of the more ridiculous things that he says like out of context uh, and kind of makes fun of them and. Uh, I, I think the Maggie Fish video is is a lot, obviously a lot better than the Twin Perfect one, um, but I it's I think those explainer videos kind of demonstrate uh, the power of of Lynch's kind of filmmaking style, where it's like these people, the, those two people, both have totally different reads on Twin Peaks, and uh, it, I I kind of see the return as kind of it's it's kind of like a prism where it's like if you're looking through it, two two people could see like totally different things. Yeah. But I think the kind of like Twin Peaks explained thing is just so shitty because it's like imagine if somebody made a video called the Mona Lisa explained the secret you know the secret meaning behind the Mona Lisa. And it's like oh, dude, that's... you should make that video. You would get a lot of money. You would make a lot of money. <laughs> Maybe I guess maybe they just care about ad revenue and they don't. But yeah, I don't, dude, it's all about clicks. It's just like that's 
there's no such thing as like the secret meaning behind Twin Peaks, and there's no such thing as the secret meaning behind the Mona Lisa. It's it's just it is what it is, and and you it's it's yeah. it's the story of Twin Peaks is you you just get out of it what you you know kind of put in, and uh, it's it's kind of, I I think that David Lynch designed it in a way um, that is not meant to follow a strict you know, map of meaning. I mean, it's pretty obvious to me if you watch it that that's what he's doing. And so it's the entire idea of watching like a four-hour video and then at the end you're going to completely understand Twin Peaks and everything about it is, is fucking ludicrous. I, I think um, from, from what I'm hearing, and please tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth, I don't want to do that, but I think what you're saying is that there's a difference between saying, I think this is what Twin Peaks is about and this is what it means to me. And this is kind of the symbolism that I get from it versus um, this is Twin Peaks explained, which is what it sounds like the video. I didn't watch the four hour video, but I did watch the Maggie Mae fish video. And like it's from, from what I've heard about the four hour video though, it's like, this is, this is what Twin Peaks is about, but it's not like, this is what Twin Peaks is about to me. Right. Cause like, I mean, we even did like in the, podcast we were like this is what i think this means and whatever but like we never said this is what david intended you know no Um, yeah he literally in the four-hour video he says he like pulls up a bunch of like random quotes from david lynch and like tries to uh tries to kind of say like oh david lynch said this in an interview so yeah it's really we if we apply this to this and this is exactly what he intended to say and like he he yeah it's it's just complete bullshit Right. And I, th- I think like, again, please tell me if I'm putting a word in your mouth, but I think the problem that you had with that is that he's like, this is what is intended. Like, this is the message. I figured it out, but it's like, you know, while we were talking, it was kind of like, we, we should say his, his ultimate, his ultimate, <laughs> um, his, his ultimate, uh, conclusion is that Twin Peaks, the message of Twin Peaks is that TV is bad, which like, well, yeah, he his his kind of thesis is that Twin Peaks, uh, David Lynch thought that TV violence uh, uh, was was it like was the wrong control. kind of TV violence. Yeah, and so he he There's wanted no to balance in the medium of television. <laughs> yeah, and so it, his idea is that like David Lynch wanted to bring balance to television by creating Twin Peaks, where the victim is like very humanized throughout the yeah. series, and it's like. That's one aspect of it that, like, David Lynch has, you know, the victim, the central victim in his series. Instead of putting a, a, a victim per episode, the entire show is it just about this one victim and kind of exploring, you know, their life. That's that's an aspect of it. But to yeah. say that it's the entire idea is just idiotic. And also, like, just, like, because he, he talks about, like, Twin Peaks being about balance, which I agree with most of what he says there. But then that also kind of defeats his thesis because by definition like tv violence isn't bad it's like what we were trying to like talk about earlier where it's like um like tv violence is part of the balance right like uh you need that to balance out the good stuff and like uh so therefore like it can't be bad you know what i'm saying like to say like oh tv violence is bad and you know like it's like it it defeats the whole purpose because it's like like again it's like it's all a part of like a balance and like well lynch lynch likes tv too like that's something that like you have to 
because i mean he'll like he likes all that rock and roll shit too that supposedly he is calling evil right which i yeah like i mean he and he likes like soap operas and like he he was talking like in the not like when he made twin peaks like he was just like i like these things and and he said that like i felt you know i kind of i don't remember which interview it was obviously I, i don't have like that type of memory but like he was talking about how like he liked watching these types of shows and i mean like he, he you know he, he you can you can make something that's like critical of that right but at the same time as he's not like his goal and i guess his goal in making twin peaks isn't like to boil it down to simply like i'm trying to square the circle you know i'm trying to finish the circle of tv it's like the project i'm trying to complete the project of <laughs> tv you know it's yeah not, it's it people sense. people love to try to paste some kind of political ideology onto lynch's work it happens a lot uh, a lot oh, of people think that, that he's like, uh, yeah trying to call him conservative yeah a lot of people try to think say that he's socially conservative and then uh a lot of people i mean i think i think that there is something to be said about his uh after fire walk with me he made like a series of films focused on uh you know female characters and kind of went away from his male-centric uh you know, movies like, you know, Eraserhead or Blue Velvet or whatever yeah. that he was doing. Uh, so I think there is something to be said about that. But it, it really kind of depresses me that that it's like people are so programmed by, you know, the media and like the political political establishment that they can't even think of like a world outside of their their shitty little CNN or Fox like politics. And then so they yeah. try to copy and paste it into every single piece of art and everything that they see. It has to fit with it, this political dichotomy. It's like, that's just a sad way to live. You don't want to do that. Yeah. Oh, for sure, dude. Like, for sure. I mean, it's the same people that, like, you know, they'll just be like, yeah, like, Batman's fascist or whatever. It's like, well, you can say that, but, like, in the yeah. world, like, Batman's, like, he's, he's I, in the world like, Batman. He's, like, I, the true I, justice. <laughs> like, it's not. I, I, yeah, I have such a problem with, like, I, I think there are a lot of readings of Batman that are very base level. And like, you know, it's like, Oh, Batman. Like, no, he's not a fan. Like, first of all, like, I, I, I mean, like I, yeah, I get really upset with shit like that. Cause it's like, he's a symbol. He works at, like, again, it's like, it's, it's much like Lynch's filmmaking. It's highly symbolic. And like I said, I do think to Lynch, the symbols have very definite meanings. I just don't think that those meanings are, these literal meanings that people try to assign to well, it. You know what I mean? Yeah, they yeah, have a meaning, sure. but the meaning is a is a feeling. It's, it's not like a it's a, a vibe, exactly. Yeah, 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 for sure. I made the I made the joke on Twitter, but I I do think that like it holds more water than like, you know, it's like, oh, he's trying to finish the circle or whatever. It's like I said Twin Peaks, a lot of people are like wondering what Twin Peaks is about. It's about a good cup of coffee and hot chicks. Like you're real like there's you know, there's like vibes. There's a lot of vibes going on with Yeah with with Lynch's work like I definitely watch it and feel like oh I can see what how like you know I could get how I could subconsciously be sent the message of balance right because he does he does send that message a lot right and so I can see how I could pick up on it yeah I mean we've been talking all night about about Twin Peaks and I think one of the core things that we've been talking about is how it's changed over time and how Twin Peaks isn't what it was in 1991. Now it's totally different. And so when people try to say like this thing that's 30 years old and you know it has been evolving and changing over all this time is about one specific thing, it's it, it's just kind of ridiculous, you know. 
Yeah. I mean the the I mean the ridiculousness too is like the the it, it being static is like I mean they show the pilot right in the return in like the last episode of the return where uh, or the next to last episode where Cooper's saving Laura quote unquote and you see the you, you see like a Laura's body disappearing from the pilot right like it's kind of yeah. like a like you can't because the pilot happened like it, I watched the pilot like a couple weeks ago it doesn't happen right like it's not like it's a it's an ever changing you know thing right because the return's not the original series it's, it's literally the return like you said chase like earlier it's literally the return like it's it's can you can't create twin peaks the same way again it's it's different yeah that's yeah. one of the huge themes of, of the return is you can never go back to how it was and that's and when, that's contrary to the conservative i the thing right like it, even even if you take it like surface level base meaning right like that's completely against the conservative reading of lynch yeah yeah yeah, because you like because literally when um she tries to return home at the end, Amanda Palmer freaks out because Amanda uh, Palmer. <laughs> um because you know I mean whatever you know whatever her name is in the <laughs> but uh no I'm just kidding Arnold, um, Arnold Palmer <laughs> no I'm just kidding um yeah but like you know um like the return ends and there's this like she's like freaking out because she doesn't like exist in this world you know what i mean like um like or because they're like who what you know and it's like what like um, yeah the last last time you see sarah she's like ripping up i mean that's very you know like indicative of of what's happening she takes a knife and starts cutting the picture of laura right she's she she's like she's destroying the idea of of Laura, right? Which is kind of like what Cooper's doing because Laura for the longest yeah. time for Twin Peaks audience represented this like goodness that was lost in the world because like this evil took it away, right? And it's a, it's a very senseless and evil evil act, right? And then yeah. Cooper tries to redeem that and, and through through the redemption of, of him going back in time to try and erase Twin Peaks, which he can't do Right, he 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 goes. He tries to go back in time. I mean, it affects Sarah to where she's trying to erase Laura, and then Laura gets erased, and she has the the horrible existential dread of like, yeah, it's like Laura, like she she is back in her world, but it's a world that she never existed in, right? And it's like, ah, uh, like it's so it hits it, it it hits at a feeling that is so impossible to like accurately describe in words you know what i mean like the idea that like you would return home and no one would know you you know yeah exactly and i mean she's you know she doesn't seem to like the life that she's living currently right and it's also like i mean she has to re-experience the trauma of life like damn like she went out like literally she went out on her own like in fire walk with me she went out on her own in her own merit right like she didn't she didn't seek to be killed, but she also didn't succumb to the evil of, of, uh, Leland. Right. Like, and then, you know, and she, she chooses death more so than, than to be evil, to be Bob. Right. And then, um, you know, Cooper's, you know, for lack of better word, making her re-experience the trauma of, of existing in that, in that world, you know? So, 
But yeah, yeah, I mean, that was my final thoughts. Twin Peaks, the entirety of the series. Fire Walking Me is my favorite David Lynch movie. Um, five out of five. Twin Peaks The Return, five out of five. The original Twin Peaks, up until Leland's discovered as the killer, five out of five. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I have a quote from Lucy, the actress who plays Lucy. And she was like, yeah, we were all avid watchers of Twin Peaks. But I, I don't know what happened in season two. I kept watching it week to week, but I stopped watching it because I was like, who is this lady with James and why is she trying to kiss him? <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, I, I think um, I, the final thing I had to say about Twin Peaks as a whole, and I want you guys' final thoughts too, is, is uh, yeah, it's like um, the, the, it's, it, all of it's great. It's my favorite. I think it's like probably the best TV show like as a whole, right, with the return and everything, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I have to say, like critical about it, is like it's not it's not anyone's fault, but I mean, you know, Donna, James, Audrey, these stories kind of go go nowhere, and it's yeah. I think she's I think Audrey's like severely under underserved in in the entirety of the show as a whole, but like specifically the return. I mean, there's not really much you can do with her, and she just kind of is a there's there's something weird going on with audrey because she's just in that one episode and then her whole story doesn't really go anywhere or make sense and then there's the whole thing with her husband where uh he he says are you going to cooperate or am i going to have to end your story too and it feels to me Mm -hmm. like there was kind of that was kind of david lynch kind of trying to say something about working with Sherilyn fenn because i i if he wanted her to be in the show, she would have been in the show, you know? And so he didn't give her a big role. And I feel like maybe that is because of their kind of tense relationship in the past. Uh, but I'm not really sure. It's, it's kind of a, kind of a tough one. Yeah. I mean, what are you supposed to do with her, you know, as a character too, there's not much you can do. Um, but yeah, and yeah. that's something that's why I said, you know, I don't, I forgot Donna's, character like act, actual actress's name but yeah she kind of you know not to blame everything is kind of sexist to blame everything on her but you know what we'll blame it on her she uh she ruined three storylines so laura flynn boyle yeah um or more moira kelly i think is the actress from Firewalk with me uh, yeah she's fine <laughs> yeah uh final thoughts um you know i think the return is what makes Twin Peaks must watch, right? Uh, for me, at least, like, cause yeah, it does tell the whole story. It does like expand upon the general mythology, and it, it just makes you. It's weird, and it makes you feel fucked up. You know, that's like the most I can ask of any art. Is it just makes me feel bad and weird? It's beautifully shot. <laughs> yeah, great. It's got great visuals. It's very inventive. No, it's very like I said. It's it, it's like something you can rewatch over and over and like feel differently about every time. And like I said, like the whole like trying to figure out the meaning because it, it's it's like it's like trying to figure out the meaning of a dream where it's like um, it's pointless, right? Like, why did I ha- have a dream of where like I found six bags of cocaine in my underwear? I had a you know dream. What I'm saying? That Monica Belushi yeah. <laughs> met me in France. <laughs> that was the yeah. best. Like he just has like the most 
he just has the most fucked up dreams and he happens to be like a video director or like not a video what am i saying like you know he's a movie director like he's he like makes movies like he like so he can like create these worlds where like you're like drawn into his mind right in his uh vision yeah uh i guess so final thoughts for me um twin peaks it's great twin peaks fire walk with me it's great uh the return great the single best tv show of all time uh maybe deadwood is up there too oh deadwood yeah no deadwood. i've never seen deadwood um yeah, deadwood, oh. yeah. okay but i don't want to Sorry for the uh, awkward ending to the segment, but we got a little cut off. I think we broke uh, our recording bot, uh, but it's the next day. We're all good to go. Uh, I want to thank our guest Chase again, a.k.a. Thought Haver. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, follow us all on Twitter. Uh, I'm sure he'll be back soon with like a fire-ass double feature. Uh, I had a lot of fun talking Lynch. It was very intimidating, uh, a lot of material. I made a little, I made a few goof em ups here and there. I'll be honest. Uh, what about you? How did how did you feel? Yeah, I um, I really enjoyed talking about Lynch. You know, I think of Lynch as a contentious figure, both in the um, larger filmic scape as well as my own personal um, thoughts on Lynch. Right, and I think yeah, yeah. the Twin Peaks discussion really, because Twin Peaks is, you know, like I said, my favorite thing that Lynch has done. It's one of my favorite TV shows. Um, and so I, I really had a great time talking about, you know, like we said, it was ostensibly a double feature, but also um, just Twin Peaks as a whole. So yeah, I had a great time. Chase is always a great guest. Um, you know, he's always welcome on. And I look forward to his next time he wants to come on to recommend a uh, double feature that neither of us have heard of. <laughs> yeah. Now, though, now it's time to look forward to next week. Uh, next week's double feature, it's going to be a couple of your picks. I don't know yet what you have in mind, but I'm super excited. I'm super stoked. I've watched more movies in the past two weeks than I have, like, all year. Uh, like, you know, I'm, I'm super, like, in movie mode. Like, you know, I'm, I'm all ready. So, Matt, what do you got for us next week? Okay, so next week... Um, I have a double feature and this is one of the times where most of the time we give you guys the double feature. We say, here's your double feature for next week. And ostensibly you can watch them in order. Um, you can kind of switch around the order, but this week is definitely, this coming up week is definitely a, uh, double feature. My picks were thematically, I want you to watch them in this order. I think it's got a hidden theme that I will reveal next week. Um, but it's a so it, it's a it's got two themes that I can reveal today, which is it's a Kevin Costner slash baseball movie okay. double feature because it is the season, you know, it's baseball season. So, yeah, um, first off, we're going to do um, Field of Dreams. Mm. And then the second movie we are going to do is Bull Durham. And. Uh, like I said, this this week is really important that you watch them in order. Um, it, the hidden theme may or may not make sense to you once you watch them, um, but that's what we're going to discuss next week. 
All right, man. Yeah, I'm stoked. Yeah, I've got my MLB like extra innings or whatever. Like I've been watching my games, my Mets. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's baseball season. It's spring. It's that time of year. Uh, I very much look forward to this. I love like I feel like out of all the sports, baseball has like the most like it has like the like most colorful rogues gallery of like guys you know what i mean like yeah there's all, there's all kinds of cool guys in baseball and uh and, and you know kevin costner he could have there's could have been any number he's he's done so many baseball movies that i could have uh i could have picked different ones but no i was like I, these two like i said have the hidden theme and and the uh you know like like you said baseball is definitely i think is one of the more cinematic sports yeah, uh, it really lends itself, and it's uh, you know, a lot of great writers have tackled baseball. So I'm I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to watch these now. Just for reference, you haven't seen either of these, right? No, I mean like growing up, I mean Field of Dreams. I remember like like there was like a free cable, free like Stars Weekend one time, and I saw like bits and pieces of it. Uh, but like you know, I've never sat down and watched either of these movies. Um way through but i'm stoked yeah because like i do i love baseball i love I, I watch a lot of like documentaries about it more so um yeah i mean it's a pretty heavy subject uh i know i know i like obviously know like it, it field of dreams is one of those movies like that we've talked about where it's like it's been parodied so many times that you're like yeah i i, I get it you know <laughs> like yeah um, field field of dreams is definitely a movie that and, and but I, don't, I, I'm, I, I'm, I don't actually get it. I'm sure it's much more like interesting and like uh, nuanced than like all of the like, you know, parodies or whatever. But uh, that, that yeah, was for sure. really, I haven't seen it. It's one of those movies um, that just, you know, it's kind of like tail into here. It's just one of those movies that um, definitely is in the cultural osmosis for um, like pull quotes. Definitely is one of the. It's one of the most more quoted, um, especially sports movies. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, giving my take. Giving the hidden theme definitely ties into the take of what Field of Dreams is about, and um, kind of dispelling it as like the meme movie. I think that will be pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, dude, I look forward to it. Uh, thank you, whoever has listened this far. If you've uh, made it all the way to the podcast at the end you're our number one fan you're awesome we love you this is your reward is me telling you that i love you and, uh hopefully you come back so uh thank you guys for joining us matt as always thank you uh i will be dming each other all week uh yeah yeah and uh watching watching many many movies many movies cool thanks guys cool.